Oh yeah. Canceled too soon. A podcast. Podcast. About TV. Television shows. That were. That were very, very short. Canceled too soon. One season or less. Oh yeah. This week on Canceled Too Soon. Sam and Max. Freelance. I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll I'll get it. He's no, rest- we're not doing that. He's resting comfortably. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted one season or possibly less. My name is William Bibiani. I am a film critic for Crave Online and Blumhouse.com. Everyone calls me Bibs. Everybody calls you Bibs. Everybody calls me Bibs. Hello, Bibs. Yay! My name is Whitney Seibold. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to meet you. Good friend and podcast co-host for the last five years. Cheerio! Uh, my, my name is Whitney Seibold. I also contribute to Crave Online and Blumhouse.com, and soon other sources as well. Ooh! I found some other gigs, so Did look you? around. Yeah. Can you tell it's me? Pretty where, excited. Where, where you... uh, I, I'm going to. I'm pursuing something at a website called Collider. Ooh! And uh, I'm pursuing uh, writing blurbs and reviews and things for my movie theater where I also work. Ooh! Yeah, the New cool. Beverly Cinema in Hollywood, California. That's fantastic. I, I'm a projectionist, and now I'm also going to be a writer over well, there I, as well. I wish you the best. It's great. Thank you very much. That's fantastic. And uh, this week on Cancel Too Soon, we're doing one of my special requests. Yeah, uh, October was not Whitney's idea. <laughs> the entire month of October uh, was was. I wanted to dedicate the entire month to horror and horror-themed stuff. Which is fine. I agree to that. Yeah, but, you know, we like to, every four or five episodes or so, we each mm. get a request. Yeah. And uh, it's been a while since we've done a Whitney, uh, and so we're doing a Whitney. <laughs> what are we doing, Whitney? We're doing Sam and Max Freelance Police, uh, an animated cartoon show that aired on Fox on Saturday mornings in 1997. Let it me look at from October 4th, 1997 to April 25th, 1998 on Fox Kids. That's right. It it, it aired I think in between uh and, and Animaniacs and uh, uh here's what was else. on I, I looked it up. Here's what was on Fox Kids at the same time as Sam and Max Freelance Police. Like in, in the same time slot or just around the same. I don't have like the, the actual schedule, but I okay. do know what other shows were on. So Think about this as sort of the patois of, of what was going on at the time. Mm. Beetleborgs, Metallics, Space Goofs. Okay, I, I, can't, I vaguely remember Space I Goofs. Don't remember space at all. Ninja Turtles, the next mutation, which we will that's, also get to a cancel that, to soon that's, someday. That's the live action Ninja yeah, Turtles show. That's the one that introduced Venus de Milo, the turtle nobody liked. Because nobody could think of a female painter. <laughs> it's true. It's true. There, there aren't too many famous Renaissance uh, lady painters because ladies weren't allowed to do that sort of thing back then. I'm sure we could have come up with one. Yeah. It would have been obscure. It's Susan. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Leonardo, Donatello, Michelangelo, Raphael, and, and Susan. And Susan. Yeah, not everyone knows about Susan. And uh, also on at the time, which is something I just I don't know what the hell this is. Uh-huh. I'm not sure I want to know what the hell this is. If you know what this is and you have access to clips online, I don't think I want you to tweet them to me. <laughs> Chimp Lips Theater. Chim- I don't know Chimp Lips Theater. I don't know Chimp Lips Theater, and again... Not sure I wanna. It sounds awful. Chimp Lips Theater sounds like really disgusting sex slang to me. Yeah, it sounds like like a like a bar you're not supposed to go into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you it's go like in it, there and the people are actually like doing things. It's like you're not supposed to see and you can't unwash your eyes. The password is I'm throwing my feces at the wall. It's too easy to guess. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, the password's got to be just like this is the story of the true macaque. 
Yeah. Okay. I was gonna come up with something a little bit more. Yeah, that's great. Right. I like that. That's the if you ever see Chimplet's theater, go ahead and walk in and say the password is This is the story of the true macaque. Okay. So th- that's a squirrel nut zippers reference okay. right there. In any case, Seven Max Freelance Police is based on a comic strip by Steve Purcell. Steve Purcell. Uh, it uh, actually has a long history. Uh, it started off with his brother creating like a comic strip. Mm. Uh, and Sam and, and Steve Purcell like taking them away from him when they were kids and finishing them in subversive and, and irreverent ways. Oh. And apparently his brother like signed over the rights to Sam and Max like officially for like a, as, like a birthday present. Like, oh, that's really funny. When they were still little kids. Uh, or like just when they were getting the adults. Yeah. Because Steve Purcell, he's, he's like Gen Xer. He's not super old. No, but he was. But he Sam, he's a little older than Gen X. Sam and Max uh, Freelance Police. Uh, premiered as a weekly un- as a comic strip in the weekly newsletter of the California College of Arts and Crafts in 1980. Okay, and then the comic. Okay, books- so, so he's a little. Yeah, he's he's, he's in us. college in 1980. Okay, yeah, he's he's a, he's at least 10, 20 years older than us. Mm-hmm. Uh, comic the comic books began in earnest in 1987. Yes, uh, followed by uh, video games from Lucas Arts. Steve Purcell started working for Lucas Arts, doing art, a little bit of writing, um, and it started off with Sam and Max Hit the Road in 1993. And this was around the time when Lucas Arts was doing uh, like monkey. I think there were a couple Monkey Islands already. Yeah, oh, Monkey Island was a big deal. And uh, and Day of the Tentacle was kind of concurrent with this as well. Uh, yeah, Maniac the, Mansion had preceded it. So yeah, it, if, it was, if you're familiar with any of these video games... Well, they were part of this uh, sort of point-and-click adventure genre mm. where a character would walk onto screen, it would be somewhat animated. It was a big deal at the time. Uh, and you would just sort of... You'd have an inventory and you would click around and there'd be weird puzzles and yeah, you, odd you, dialogue you, trees. You'd, you'd just essentially just drag the cursor across this sort of still scenario and looking for like little things that would light up. Yeah, and these were things and with. these were things you could interact with, pick up, yeah. talk to, etc. LucasArts, especially with like the first two Monkey Island movies and Day of the Tentacle, had developed a great reputation for making very fun mm. and very funny mm. video games that were also very challenging to the mind. Uh, and you had to not only think logically, you had to think irreverently mm. and come up with dumb solutions that the people who came up with these problems mm. had come up with ahead of time. And Sam and Max fit that mold very, very well because Sam and Max is a very surreal, very odd story about a dog in a business suit. And a, he's, he's more than just sort of an ill-fitting sort of everyday kind of suit. It's a suit, is yeah. my point. Okay, uh, and uh, and uh, uh, a, a rabbit, but he's not a rabbit. They they call they refer to him as a rabbity thing, a lagomorph. They also well, refer a, a lagomorph is a, a biological term for rabbits. Yeah, but uh, yes, he's some kind of rabbity. But thing. but he's got a gigantic shark mouth. Yeah. So uh, there's Sam the dog, mm. Max the rabbity thing, mm. and uh, they aren't police, but they do work freelance policing, and the commissioner will frequently call them up and send them on a truly bizarre assignment. Now, we never see the commissioner. He's not a character that appears in, in the pages of the comic or the cartoon, on the screen of the cartoon. On the cartoon, we do see his daughter once. We see, we see his daughter once at, his da- at the daughter's wedding. Yeah. But uh, and we kind of hear on the other end of a telephone a couple times. Yeah, like like uh, Charlie Brown's mm, teacher. That that's yeah. as much interaction as we get with the commissioner. So it's entirely possible that they're just insane. That, that yeah, that when they get calls from the commissioner, they're just sort of hearing voices. Because they get calls from the commissioner like literally everywhere they are. There's this is like mm. pre cell phones, there's, or at least before cell phones were ubiquitous. There's even one where they get a call from him on a. a 
shell, like a seashell. Yeah, so <laughs> just the seashell is out on the beach. Just they say, hey, it's, it's the commissioner. And they they go in. They're insanely violent. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they destroy a, everything, they and d- somehow everything usually turns out more or less okay. Yeah, they, they have a complete disregard for any of the common rules of regular human decency. So there was uh, the first video game was Sam and Max at the Road, nineteen ninety three. Oh, and it, it should also be noted that throughout the games, comics, and the cartoon, there's this strong overcurrent of sort of fringe societies. Mm-hmm. Uh, UFO ad- abductions, this is the, very, mag- the magic of Easter Island heads, Bigfoot researchers. A, we'll talk about that. It's a very yeah. geeky show in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there was also another video game called Sam and Max Freelance Police that was cancelled, so no, that never came ah. out. Uh, and then Telltale Games started making uh, newer versions of the point-and-click uh, adventure franchise. Mm-hmm. And they got a hold of Sam and Max, and they came up with some... I played two of them, and they were really good. Sam and Max Save the World, a.k.a. Sam and Max Season 1. I've, and, I've played that one. That, that one's great. Good, yeah. uh, Sam and Max Beyond Time, uh, Beyond Time and Space, sorry, in 2008. That was also really good. And I didn't play Sam and Max, The Devil's Playhouse, but I heard it was rather okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, and they also had the television series in 1997, which is now available on Shout Factory DVD. It's an old release, but it's really easy to find. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you can get it for, like, five bucks on Amazon. Like, it's I, real easy. I, I snatched it up the instant I saw it available because I was af- I was afraid it was going to be gone quickly. I remember It watching- was also one of those things I never expected to see on DVD. I had an old yeah. VHS. There was a time when from it seemed I taped, like... you know, taped old episodes. There was a time and- when it seemed like weird stuff on DVD was, like, a unicorn. Like, you weren't going to yeah, find yeah, it. Yeah. Sam and Max, uh, I saw Sam and Max at least one episode when it was on the air. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in high school, so I wasn't, like, watching okay. Saturday morning cartoons, like, super religiously. But, like, I saw it. Okay. Uh, and uh, I remember thinking, huh. And then I didn't watch it anymore because that, it had that impression on me. Mm-hmm. And then it built up this cult reputation. And a lot of people really, really love yeah, this yeah. show. Uh, like a so, lot. Like you. So, some people have called it one of the best animated shows of all time. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding about that. I, no, I see. Just, I see how so, you. I yeah. see how you feel about it. But yeah. uh, um, it, th- this came during a time when uh, this was 1997. So uh, this was kind of right when Cartoon Network was taking off. This yeah. was before Adult Swim was really a thing. Yeah. And a lot of creators of cartoon shows were experimenting with cartoons, but their only venue to do it was in Saturday morning. They couldn't even do... I mean, there was a lot of prime time stuff that was coming and going really quick, but uh, in order to sort of do the bizarre sense of humor stuff that they really wanted to try, they had to do Saturday morning cartoons. This was the time of Freakazoid, uh, which was, you know, they, mm. they made they made Tiny Toons, they made Animaniacs, they made Toonsylvania, which nobody remembers, they made Hysteria, which some people remember. Hysteria was okay. Uh, and... And then they d- tried Freakazoid, which is the superhero spoof, which is totally off the wall. Very strange. Uh, it, it's just... Stru- they were trying to sort of jettison all of these structures and cliches that they had been forced to work in throughout the 1980s. Mm-hmm. All of these story beats and you know the plot notes from studios are like, you know what, we're not going to do any of that. We're just going to do gags. They don't even have to make sense. They don't even have to have punchlines. Everything's going toward the bizarre. Uh, all of these shows were... Well, most of these shows were pretty terrific. Mm-hmm. You ever see the Ripping Friends? John K's no, follow up to. Uh, I heard about it. But I never yeah, saw that. John K did a superhero show at yeah. one point, and he was just did what he wanted, and yeah. of course, it got canceled real fast. And into that landscape mm-hmm. emerged kicking, screaming, <laughs> shooting, <laughs> farting. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not so much farting. No farting, but a lot of belching. A lot of belching. Mm-hmm. Sam and Max against police on October fourth, nineteen ninety-seven, mm-hmm. uh, and. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna normally okay. we wait and see if it was canceled too soon, like till yeah. the end of the episode. Uh-huh. 
I'll, 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 I, it's not very good. I, you know, it's it, not a good show. It, it hurt, it's a bad show. It hurts my heart to, to hear how much you dislike this show because I was ready to the, like this, this show. This, I was this excited show, for this, this show. show. Is like good, like perfectly in line with my own sense of humor. I know. Like, that's that's I, one I still, of the things that hurts me. <laughs> I, I still watch it to this day, and it still makes me laugh. And I laugh. want you to remember a certain episode <clears throat> of Cancel Too Soon from uh-huh. earlier this year. Yes, uh, entitled Hot Springs Hotel, <laughs> which weirdly <laughs> enough, one of the most obscure shows we've ever done on this podcast. Uh, one of the most popular episodes. Strangely I think, enough, I think literally. Everyone who remembers that show has downloaded that episode. Like, I think that's great. So, uh, so, so fifty people. Then? Uh, no, quite a lot actually. Uh, okay, also, also the cast of the show. Fair. Uh, yeah. Okay. The the surviving cast, members the cast of the show. Was show. In the thousands, but all right. Uh, and um, yeah, so you, we watched the show. It was a late night, quote unquote, sexy uh, Skinamax show that happened to be on Showtime. So, softcore porn. Lots of softcore lots, porn. Lots, lots of fake boobs. Lots of fake boobs. Holy cow. Uh, I think there's more I, fake boobs than people. And uh, uh, actually, if you think about it, it's like two to one ratio. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in any case, yeah, Michelle, my, my, my now wife and I, mm-hmm. I got married last week. Uh, Congratulations. We watched, we watched Hot Springs Hotel and we were playfully bemused by it, even when it wasn't particularly good. We, we're not stupid. Like, per- it wasn't good. Particularly good, huh? Like, but, like, uh-huh. we got through it. There was this, there, it had a charm. Uh-huh. Uh, and then we watched Sam and Max Freelance Police mm-hmm. and it was hell. <laughs> and it's the exact opposite of what happened to you because you hated watching Hot Springs Hotel. Hot Springs Hotel is miserable. Yeah. Hot Springs Hotel is aggressively miserable. Sam and Max mm. is our Hot Springs Hotel. Oh my gosh, I'm so that's, sorry. That's it. And it's weird because it has all the ingredients and stuff I like. Okay. Uh, it is a, a an animated show in the irreverent mold of, say, The Tick. Yes. Uh, it plays with expectations. It has a lot of geeky references. Yes. Uh, it has fun, cute characters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of too adult for its time. There's it's, a, there's there's a joke in there's an extended joke about not dropping the soap in the shower in a prison. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm just like, whoa, got away with that one, huh? That's crazy. <laughs> uh, and yet, uh, and I want to actually bring Michelle on here to sort of explain <laughs> my point. Michelle is an animation major. Oh, I, uh, I was so an animation she, major too. She was a real animation major. Oh, and, thanks. Uh, uh, but we were watching this, and I was like, I was like, I was asking, like, why isn't this funny from like a, a production perspective? And Michelle mm. can explain. Michelle, okay, so like animation from this time period often suffered from the same problem. You have comedic timing, and then you have something called animation timing, mm. and animation timing is what makes things funny to watch. So if you have someone, you know, who's getting hit with in the face with a pie. Uh, it's like, you know, boom, splat. Like, mm. that's the timing uh, that you'd normally go for something like that. If you have really crappy timing, it's more like, boom, splat. You know, it's evenly paced. It starts to flatten out. Um, unfortunately, Sam and Max doesn't go for anything extreme with the positions, with the characters, with expression or acting at all. Uh, so you never get any sort of like great physical auga that you mm. could get from Looney Tunes. There's no distortion. Well, th- this it's was very flat. Yeah, th- this did come. To be fair, this did come at a time uh, when everything was still being hand drawn. And like rushed over to Korea, and a lot of and those shows came out good. Let me. Let a lot me of those shows back. came out good, but uh, you look at a lot of shows today, and they're able to s- much more uh, accurately sort of nail down the timing because a lot of it's done in flash now. Okay, oh, I'm, go- I'm gonna fight you on this one. Mm. You also had John Kay coming out at the time. That's a great example, or even okay. Freakazoid. 
a lot of them have much better timing and distortion on them, and they're using the hand-drawn line okay. to good effect. Sam and Max is using pencil. Uh, you don't know that. But if you look at it, the line breaks up when you go in close. When you have yeah. pencil to act with, that means you have the, the connection from the brain to the hand. You have the best, roughest, most dramatic acting that you can possibly get out of line. And what do they do with it? They keep the characters completely recognizable, which is the most commercial thing to do. It's like they're I, never off model. They're never mm. off model. They're always static, so they look completely inert and sort of floaty. And okay, the problem I, is, I, I think the problem goes that, beyond but, that. I'm mm. just going to add one quick element to that because okay. this is something we're going to talk about as we go through the episode. <laughs> That's not only is that like a stylistic or, or a production issue, but that actually it, it, in that affects the way the episodes play out because this is the kind of surreal Dadaist narrative in which a whole bunch of crazy things happen. Violent things, mm. threatening things, uh, you know, cartoon violence, and no one is affected by any of it. Dramatically uh. at all. And that's funny for a bit. Like, okay. But it gets really tedious over time because it's hard to have any connection to something when no one is okay. threatened, no one is inconvenienced to any particular degree. It's frustrating and I just didn't find it very funny. And Michelle, do you have anything else to add before you get yeah, no. uh, Just one quick thing. I really loved the comic book at the time when uh, this animation came out. I was working in a library. I found like a book that was bound full of this stuff. The thing that I loved about it was that the rabbity character mm-hmm. was incredibly like he seemed psychotic he was yeah. always having a break mm. you don't get that in the show there's no sense of danger or actual anger in him there there i was going i was actually going to address that about how the the uh, compared to what we had seen previously from sam and max it does feel a little bit neutered mm-hmm. there's a scene in one episode where they a gun appears out of the top of their car and they start firing it but it doesn't fire bullets it fires rats yeah. and i i appreciate the surreality of that but you know in that moment during this big sort of action chase scene climax I, I want actual mayhem and yeah. firing rats across the screen didn't have quite the same effect yeah and just to Matt, like think about what you just said firing mm. rats across the screen mm. that should be dramatic that well, should that, be, should be, like, that should be at least intense. That should be a big thing. Mm. It should be visually interesting yeah. imagine that happening when, in Cool World it'd be really when, cool okay um I appreciate that that you you want to see much more sort of dramatic movement. Uh, what I like about Sam and Max, what I like about sort of just the basic design of the characters, and about the entire sense of humor of the show, is that it's very largely deadpan. We cannot read what's going on in Max's head, and in fact, seeing him animated kind of takes away from him a little bit. When you see him on the page, he has a frozen expression in every single panel. He he rarely rarely seems to elicit any sort of emotion. And when he says something like, you know, when it, I remember a panel from the comic book, uh, Sam said, "Oh, and speak of the devil." And we just saw Max in the corner with his frozen expression, sort of repeating, "The devil, the devil." And we do get this sort of sense that Max is this complete psychotic. And I think the big shark mouth and the frozen smile communicates that even in animation. Um, the character or the actor they got to play the character's voice also communicates that really well. He has this very uh, frantic childlike. He can speak very quickly and he's always off in his own world. He, he's always on the same note. He reacts to everything the same way. Yeah, and I think Rob that's hilarious. Tinkler, his right? name is Robert Tinkler. Yeah. Canadian actor. He's, Great he's gone on to a lot for of a kids animation. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, because he is always at the same note and mm. the same volume, it's there's no like chance for me to jump in and get excited. 
Mm. It, it's the whole series is yeah. on one level of intensity. Well, the, yeah. all the time. Uh, the, the Sam and Max Freelance Police functions primarily as a satire. Sure. Uh, this this is a show that takes a lot of the conventions that we know from Saturday morning cartoons, from mm-hmm. cop shows, from just all of the media we've been absorbing up to that point, and kind of turns it on here a little bit. Yeah. We recognize the scenario, but these characters are clearly off in their own little worlds, in some cases quite literally. Yeah. Uh, they have their own field of interests. They ha- they're constantly distracted by the things around them. Mm-hmm. They don't care. They yeah. don't give a damn about any of this, any of the outcome of all of this. Sometimes they're a little bit afraid. <laughs> but uh, they're too darn ignorant to be afraid of most yeah, things. Indeed, indeed <laughs> that the they problem. say that it's like that's oh, the problem. Oh, sh- th- th- this is really, this is this is really dangerous. Aren't you afraid? <laughs> We're too darn ignorant to be afraid. You know they they are are they're so laser focused on their own being in their own little world. I think that's a great way to sort of lure audiences in I, to this we weird be, sort of. Okay. Fring, okay. Fringe place to exist. Michelle, in. break in. Michelle oh, is yeah. feigning death right yeah. now. You said uh, they don't care. Uh-huh. Why should we care? They don't care. They're they're simultaneously. Well, that's that's a, that's a good wish fulfillment, though, isn't and it? A handful of uppers. <laughs> like, they've just mixed drug you're, themselves. You're, you're selling the show to me right I now. <laughs> but okay, I think okay. what we've got here. I think what we've got here uh-huh. is a very just different opinion about what's funny, and it's true. Mm-hmm. Comedy is subjective. Okay. That's undeniably comedy is subjective. Uh, but I think we both have a very valid reason, or I guess all three of us. Michelle <laughs> and I have more or less the same reason. Yeah. Uh, we, we have the same reason as to why the show did or didn't work for us. Mm. The, I think the irony is it's the same reason. Yeah. <laughs> I think Whitney, Whitney's like, uh, you didn't, sense of You humor, didn't like it because they don't care, and I love it because they don't Whitney's care. Whitney's sense of humor mm. is so wrong. <laughs> that, oh, thank you. And no, but I just, and I mean that in a, po- in a positive way. Like, mm. he's, he's so not interested in the conventions of, of, of humor that non-conventional humor and its extreme mm. works for him. Whereas I think Michelle and I, we like weird shit too. Don't get us wrong. But we're, 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 we appreciate that some of these comedic quote-unquote rules, if you want to call them mm. that, exist for a reason. And when you break every single one of them in an extended narrative, mm. it's frustrating. Sam and Max, when, especially in like the half-hour episodes, is interminable. But there's like a couple of bits where it's really I think short. there's only two half-hour episodes. Yeah, but even the ten-minute episodes, it feels like it's too long. Like there's, a yeah. one, there's one really funny one towards mm. the end where Sam and Max, I think it was the Valentine's Day episode, okay. where they talk they, about the various uses. The heart for, or... Yeah, but at the end of it, there's like a short. Okay. It's like a shortly. It's sort of. It's supposed to be informative, but it's completely uninformative. Uh-huh. And it's talking about the import, the misunderstood organ, the pancreas, and all mm. the important things the pancreas can do, can like, like a door act stop. as a doorstop. Yeah. That, that was, was funny. Okay. That was because it was short, and it didn't expect us to mm. get emotionally involved. When you spend an entire episode. Uh-huh. Playing off of storylines that expect you to get emotionally involved, and they well, rip what, off Twilight Zone like four times. What, what well, makes on. you think? Hang they, on. All right. hang on. This is my point. Okay. I appreciate that they don't want us to, mm. but when you it, can approach us with the conventions of a narrative structure, <laughs> and then you completely ignore why anyone would ever work within those and enjoy that, mm. then it just becomes tedious. It goes from irreverent to tedious. I, I, I feel like we're mm. saying, ah, you peed in my cereal, and you're like, oh, they peed in my cereal! <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Because that's a story. Yeah. <laughs> that's something you'll be telling your grandkids. You know, this time this rabbit broke into my apartment and peed in my cereal. It was awesome. 
Uh, I like that we've we've gone a lot into theory, but we haven't gotten to the damn premise of the show we yet. Talk more um, about the show, and honey, so, if you want to, you want to, you want to, you want to bow out. All right, thanks for joining us. Thanks for adding your expertise. I appreciate it. You're welcome on any other time. You don't know why I'm an expert, but it's okay. Just take our words for it. She's an expert. She is. So they're next freelance police. Yeah, they live in New York City. But it's kind of a dark, twisted, parallel universe version of New York City. It's where, entirely covered in garbage. Yeah, it's it's, it's pre-Giuliani New York City for sure. Um, but, you know, there's anthropomorphic rats running around and just it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's filthy, weird and kind of an unpleasant place to be, which yeah. is a great place for Sam and Max to live. That's a good setting for a cartoon. Because yeah, it, Sam and Max has this element of mm-hmm. it. Where it's not a noir, but they clearly want to evoke elements of noir, and one of the mm. elements of noir is just this seedy uh, uh, backdrop. There's even, uh, there is very urban, yeah. and uh, um, like everyone involved is uh, morally iffy or vaguely insane. Uh, they're, they're, everybody's really detached from everything that's going mm-hmm. on, and uh, but occasionally. <laughs> They just sort of fly into space, and I love that travel is never an issue. There's an ep- that episode where they have to deliver a heart, which we'll talk more about in detail. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bit where they have to deliver a heart, and it's a funny premise. Uh. In ten minutes, to well, I, think it, I think it was like four minutes. It yeah, was like it was... whatever. It's really really short. It's like whatever the length of the episode was, uh-huh. and uh, it was like, oh, we have to do it in seven minutes. We have to go from New York to Washington D.C. Uh-huh. And they keep saying, well, if we had to trust the Concord or something, we wouldn't trust it. Fortunately, we have our car. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just, it's like DeSoto, I think. And they overshoot it to Antarctica. Uh-huh. And then they back up. <laughs> like, and they still manage to make it in time. <laughs> that actually is my favorite episode of the show. I'll say it. That okay. was, that was the, the hell, one where it actually worked pretty good. There's a time limit. And it had a good thrust. Well, and, and we got a good opinion of uh, who Sam and Max really were in terms of their character in that episode. Mm, yeah. uh, because... Uh, it was Valentine's Day, and you know these are two male characters who just want to eschew everything romantic. Well, they're very young um, in, in spirit, in a way, and mm. there's, I like the image of Valentine's Day as a holiday in which everyone is love crazed, like that mm. one episode of Deep Space Nine, where just where everybody it, falls in love with each other. Yeah, everyone yeah. falls in love with each other always, and they're just constantly trying to stay out of it, and it's like this weird rampaging mm. riot of love. I'm like, you know what? That's kind of funny. Uh-huh. I like that one. All the other ones are not very good. Let's start with episode one. Episode one. The thing that wouldn't stop it, I believe, yes. is the title. We're introduced to a character who I don't remember from the comics. Was she uh, the, in the comics? She, no, she was introduced for the show. You're talking about uh, Darla Guggenheek, a.k.a. The Geek. Mm-hmm. Um... Played by another Canadian actor. These, played these by the, Tracy Moore. Yeah, the, the three actors uh, all worked together on various stuff. Uh, yeah. I learned this in researching the show, that uh, the actor who plays uh, The Geek played Princess Toadstool in the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Uh, Super Mario Brothers 3, technically. I think the show like changed as different Oh, Mario and then, then it turned into Super yeah. Mario Brothers 3. There was also Super Mario World. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, Rob... Uh, uh, sorry, Sam. The guy who played Sam. The guy who played Sam Harvey played... Harvey Adkin. Harvey Adkin played uh, Bowser on said show as well. Yeah. Harvey Adkin, who played Sam, was also uh, a judge on many episodes of Law & Order Special Victims Unit. Yeah. He was also a voice in Heavy Metal, and he appeared in Cagney and Lacey. Uh, and uh, I, we talked about Max a little bit before. Max played by Rob Tinkler, who mm. played Rubius on Sailor Moon, which I'm only just now watching. <laughs> uh, and he was, you may also remember him from MXP, Most Extreme Primate, which the was movie. The, which was the sequel to MVP, The Most Valuable Primate. Most uh, Vertical Primate. Or, no, that was another one. There was M- <gasps> MVP, most. I think there was Most Valuable Primate, then Most Vertical Primate. <sighs> most Valuable Primate was Hockey. That's most right. Most vertical vertical primate, primate was, was skateboarding. skateboarding. Yeah. And most extreme primate was skate, uh, snowboarding. Yeah. 
I, I, you know, uh, why you, haven't we reviewed this whole series? You, on, useful on information podcast. is being kept out of my brain <laughs> because I know that crap. In any case, we're just to Darla Guggenheek is sort of their Sam and Max's basement, uh, which isn't really brought up as terribly. She's eleven or twelve years old. Uh, She's called a teenager. Maybe she's thirteen or fourteen. She looks young though. She she, looks like she's supposed to be a kid. She's a young girl, and she uh, is is their cue essentially. She creates. She fixes their car. She creates their gadgets. Mm. In the original development of the show, the geek was to be a male character, Mm. uh, and there's even designs you can find out there of this male (laughs) character who looks a lot like a character called Lorne that. We'll meet oh, later in the show, Lord. but uh, the the studio notes were like, "Hey, we don't have any females on this show at all. Can we at least have one female character?" And, and you know what? I'm they glad... changed the geek into Darla Guggenheek, and I'm glad I actually they did. like her. I like her too. <laughs> I think she's one of the more interesting additions to the show. I wish she was in every episode because she's not. Mm. Um, in addition to having someone with Sarah Max who is at the very least a, a grounding force, yeah. vaguely grounding. <laughs> I mean, she's still weird, and she's still like completely nonchalantly reacts to but things she's like relate- a monster living in her. She's in a her relatable human character. But she's like, the only relatable human character on the entire show. Yeah, and and uh, that includes and, all the supporting characters are floating in and out. And I like that. And I listed off the other shows around Fox mm-hmm. Kids at the time. I like that there was a show in which the most sensible, intelligent, mm-hmm. superhuman, really, aside mm-hmm. from the fact that they're cartoons character on a show mm. was a young girl yeah uh who was proud to call herself a geek who invented cool gadgets like that's actually she, she positive was, i like that you know, she, and she, she's and a, it's a, done in a good way definitely a spiritual child of penny from inspector gadget oh yeah but uh yeah she she created all of their stuff and she was the one who always tried to warn them against danger and of course they would completely ignore it yeah uh, and, and go of this, off on their at their the funny beginning adventures. of this episode mm. sam and max are looking for the next case and they go down to uh, uh, Darla Guggenheek, who has a problem they, they call with her refrigerator. The, they call it the sub-basement of solitude. Yeah, vaguely, vaguely amusing. She has a monster in her refrigerator who mm. won't stop being a monster in her refrigerator. So they go and, inside the refrigerator. And it turns out the, the monster has become so powerful, the refrigerator has become a portal to a fridge dimension. Yeah. And, and there are a bunch of refrigerator repairmen that are stuck in this dimension that the monster has abducted. Yeah. Okay, this episode is is actually a, a good start for the series in that it kind of tells you what we're in for. <laughs> every episode, or at least mm. almost every episode of Sam and Max, takes a very specific story, Twilight Zone episode, mm. movie, etc., and starts off with it, maybe not straight, but an obvious homage, and then it just ignores everything about it. It flies way off the rails almost immediately. So this yeah. one actually starts out with the refrigerator from Ghostbusters, mm. then they get pulled into it, uh, and it's more like poltergeist. Then they, uh, the, we meet the monster who's like the blob, but it can transform into things, so it becomes mm. like the thing, it's like and a shapeshifter yeah. sort of thing. And yeah. all the refrigerator repairmen are paranoids; they don't know who's and who. There's even a Bill Paxton type character who yeah. like just freaks out at every available opportunity. And then there's a bit with alien and uh, global warming. <laughs> and there's a whole bit where there's a whole bit. I did appreciate this. There's a bit where Sam. Uh, realizes that the monster is having an existential crisis because it was food and no one wants to eat it, so he mm-hmm. has to eat it. Yeah. The entire thing. And there's something uh, enjoyably perverse about that. Yeah, that, that, that it, it's really sad and that they have to set up this sort of death chamber and the, the creature climbs into a TV dinner tray. And Sam sits down with a giant uh, mm-hmm. knife and fork. And, you know, Sam's kind of a, a hefty dude. One of the recurring themes in the comics is that he's always eating. Uh, uh, we, we only get that in sort of like the glazed MacGuffin affair in this uh, 
this yeah. TV show. But yeah, he's he's sort of a, a glutton a little bit. So yeah, yeah, he gets to sit and eat the monster. And that's basically the... the and, and then the monster comes back and there's other stuff. And then like, he, that's basically the show. And then he belches the ozone hole closed. Yeah, he belches so hard that uh, global warming is fixed. <laughs> if only... So that, that doesn't make you laugh anyway. It makes me laugh in principle, but in right. practice, again, mm. everything is just completely, just flatly presented. And I think, again, if this was like, Sam and Ma- here's what Sam and Max would be perfect for. Oh. All right. Uh, if they were like the one minute interstitial cartoons that guided you throughout the entire Fox Kids morning. Okay, like, like the, between like every Dynamo, Dynamo Duck. Or, yeah, you know. like every, between every show, there's like a one minute Sam and Max. Hmm. That would be great. Yeah. That would totally work. That would fit. But the more I watch, the more the more yeah. they got. The next episode, um, called the second show ever, mm-hmm. it's vaguely funny. Um, is uh, uh, they they go to a career day, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they end up like beating up all the other people who were introducing their careers to the kids, and then they no, it's, up, it's just one. Just they, the they, one. They, they beat up the guy dressed as a samurai. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, and then the, uh, then it becomes uh, the magic school bus. They, they, they take all the kids into their car and they, they fly out into space. They get a call from the commissioner saying there's trouble in deep space. So uh, th- th- this has a, one of my favorite transitions in the entire show. It's like, we, we have to go into the deep reaches of space. Smash cut. They're already in space. The car is floating through space. The kids are in the backseat of the car. And uh, they say, well, here we are in the vast yawning void of space. And Max says, yes, drawn without a, drawn without a grade two understanding of astronomy. Yeah. There, there's a lot of this sort of First of all, the dialogue in this show is just f- frantically fast. Like, you have to pay attention to get every single word that's coming out of these people's mouths. And it has this sort of philosophy of Zucker Abram Zucker in that they're going to throw as many possible gags at you as they can. Uh-huh. And The difference it, is that Zucker Abram Zucker had some emotional core to it. Whereas mm, they, I, they throw I, I out would, random stuff constantly they, to yeah, see they, if it sticks. They throw out random stuff constantly, and a lot of it does stick. And I, I appreciate that they're deliberately ignoring any sort of attempt at emotional engagement. These are not characters that you're supposed to relate to. These are characters that remain deliberately at this sort of psychotic arms distance. Here's okay. Let me, let me, let me make this, let me make this parallel. Maybe you Mm. can see where I'm coming from here. Uh, the, the Marx brothers. Yes. were also completely, Mm. uh, uh, emotionally, uh, uh, set apart from everyone else. Mm. Uh, completely insane. Yes. Prone to absolute random thoughts, behaviors, mm-hmm. breaking the fourth wall. Uh, and yet, there were always a couple of characters who were actually having a real story. There's a, the, yeah, the element of chaos moved can, into something, and then people actually kind of suffered a mm-hmm. little bit because these guys were doing this. But, you and know, that created consider- a comic. Uh, uh, a divide that created a comic contrast. Well, There's no when contrast you have, here. When the you contrast have a is only film, to what else was on Fox Kids that day. When you have a feature film that you you need to stretch out to 63 minutes, because that's all Marx Brothers films needed to be back in the day, uh, they had to sort of throw in a semblance of a plot or some sort of characters that we could relate to. We never liked those characters. Do you, can you name any of the protagonists, aside from the Marx Brothers, from Marx Brothers movies? Zeppo. Z- Zeppo was one of the Marx Brothers. <laughs> But he was a straight man. He was the straight man. You're right. I, I think what Sam and Max is, is it's cutting all the dead weight out of a Marx Brothers movie. It's all of the frantic insanity without of that boring stuff you need to sit through. And I think that sounds like a great idea uh. until you watch it. <laughs> and then I think it's less interesting. And, and because the show is only 30 minutes long, without commercials, it's only like 24 minutes long. Mm. You can get through that. 
I think, especially if it's not a glowing endorsement. Especially if it's too set. Well, my point is, it's not so overpacked and so frantic that you're going to be cross-eyed by the end. I here's the thing. I was okay, even with only ten minutes. (laughs) We'll move on. We got to get through all these episodes, and there's a lot. Uh, so the second so, so show there ever. 13. There were 13. So there's episodes. a magic school bus. They meet uh, uh, basically Galactus. Lactose the intolerant. Yeah. Who wants to eat the whole planet. Mm. Uh, and then they end up uh, giving him invasive brain surgery, much like Doc Samson. And mm. then he decides to just be content with a job. Yeah. Ah. The, the, his his closing line of dialogue is it may not look like much but next week they move me up to fries then uh, they'll pay which uh, is a joke that they would actually repeat in uh, Invader Sim I think in the more effective way uh, episode three <laughs> no, Sam and Max did it first though, I'm going off I, of the 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 order okay. on the DVD set by the uh, way it might, it's a little off which I think, is which is actually really different from broadcast order in fact they yeah. mixed and matched segments uh, in, in yeah. the Saturday morning version because I taped this on the original initial run and they're not paired the same yeah so we'll get through them all but yeah. Yeah, this is not yeah. broadcast order. All right, uh, episode three, Max's big day when Max becomes king of the New Guinea pigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were basically guinea pigs, but they're in New it's, Guinea. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's the man who would be king story. Uh, basically, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he doesn't really go mad with power, but he gets divided from Sam. Mm-hmm. Sam goes off on his own. Uh, they decide to the New Guinea pigs decide as a gift to their king to give him the skin of Sam mm-hmm. so that he can wear it and absorb his power, but it, which is. But as it's funny in theory, but as it turns out, Sam has the, the uncanny ability to sort of collapse his body and look like skin. And then they blow up a local filling station and then they move on. Yeah. <laughs> Episode four. They're, they're trying to trying to hit all of the sort of the cliches that yeah. th- th- this is this is something I actually really appreciated about not just Sam and Max, but a lot of cartoon shows and general media in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was this sort of need to tear down. In the 1990s, the 80s were over. The Cold War was over. We were looking for identity. None of the old uh, traditions were working for us anymore. That's why you like Sam and Max. You see it as Saturday morning punk rock. Yeah, it's okay. it's it's, deconst- it's deconstructionist cartoon making. Yeah. I, uh, I I like this band. Yeah, they don't know how to play their instruments and they're completely atonal, but that's different. But they're doing it on purpose. Exactly. They're, they're playing atonally. It's like I appreciate it's like that they're doing rock. it. On, I appreciate yeah. that Sam and Max is doing this on purpose. Yeah, yeah. The, I appreciate the, that. I just don't think it worked. Uh, they're they're the art rock of Saturday morning cartoons because you know you'd see this in, even in stuff like Tiny Toon Adventures where they just turn to the camera and, ad- and you know pull out scripts and address that they're part of a, a, a fiction mm. and they're they're really aware of how these things are constructed to the point of having to change it on screen as they go yeah and Sam and Max is doing the same thing they're stomping the script into the dust they say you know all of this crap. It's not going to work anymore because you're too familiar with it. So we're just uh, going to have fun with it. I'm not arguing the principle. I just don't like uh, necessarily the execution. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, the episode uh, four uh, mm-hmm. is Bad Day on the Moon. Uh-huh. Um, Which is lifted almost wholesale from the comics. Yeah. I, I, this mm-hmm. is actually one I remember reading. Uh, they go up to the moon. There's a problem on the moon. The commissioner calls them. Mm-hmm. And the moon is populated with rats and mice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the mi- they're actually having trouble because cockroaches are eating all their stuff. Not, not just they, cockroaches, but 30-foot-tall cockroaches. Yeah, and so they decide uh, that cockroaches, they bring the cockroaches to Earth where they will uh, eat all of our waste, and then the actual regular-sized cockroaches like try to kill them yeah. because they're eating all the resources. And that's admittedly a funny idea. Mm. There, there's one really funny joke in this one, like genuinely funny joke. I laughed mm. maybe a good hard guffaw every other episode. All right. The, I'm, I'm glad you got at least a couple. Yeah, but okay. uh, there's a good one in this one where... Um, uh, Sam and Max rescue a rat 
from a liquor store robbery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the guy is told to keep, put his hands in the air. And he puts his hands in the air. And then they stop the liquor store robbery. And the guy never puts his hands down. And every other line of dialogue is Max saying, hey, mister, you can put your hands down now. <laughs> then it cuts to him like leading them through the streets. And his hands are still in the air. Mm-hmm. Hey, mister, you can put your hands down there. And then he leads them to like... Jareth's castle from the center of Labyrinth <laughs> and he's like okay you can go in but this is as far as I go mister for the love of God all that is holy put down your hands like that's kind of funny because it was a running gag it, that's the sort of thing that would have been just really random once and by the time you appreciate what's funny about it the show has moved on mm. it, this one lingered long enough that it was actually funny oh. and it made me laugh I, I like the bit leading up to the heist. The, in, in that episode, Sam and Max are mistaken for uh, rats wearing masks uh-huh. by a rat wearing a gorilla mask and a rat wearing a zebra mask. Yeah. And, and, oh, yeah. And, yeah, and they're, yeah. they're sort of conversing with one another. And Max and uh, Sam says, you know, I, I don't think that this is really on the up and up because in nature, you see a gorilla and a zebra wouldn't hang out. Yeah. And, uh, and here's another thing that bothers me. The zebra's driving the moon buggy, which is weird because zebras don't have hands. And Max turns to him and says, my God, Sam, you're right. The gorilla should be driving. Yeah. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's funny because the, the, we haven't been talking like that for the last 10 minutes. It, it's it's still a funny bit. It's a, Come it's on. a reasonably funny bit. A lot of it's funny in principle. It's only funny execution. <laughs> I sound like such a curmudgeon in this episode. I liked Hot Springs Hotel. Uh, episode five. They came from down there, which, mm-hmm. weirdly enough, is the same plot as a Chuck Norris Karate Commandos episode. It they is. They go to the bayou and there's zombies right. for they're, some reason. There's zombie because that's where zombies come from. Are yeah. The bayou. They uh, they go to Bohunk Lagoon and there's a, a gigantic. Uh, mutant musky leech that's sort of swimming around, yeah. uh, d- abducting people, and it turns out that they're in the em- it is in the employ of a character named Max Salmon. Is it Max Salmon or Mac Salmon? Mac Salmon, M A C K. You say it so fast, I can never tell. Okay. Well, and I think the joke is that Max Salmon sounds like Salmon to Max. Uh, and it's and it's and it's supposed and it's supposed to sound a little bit confusing. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it d- deliberately obfuscating wordplay there. And, uh, and Max, Max Salmon, by the way, is a fun design because he's a guy in a... It's, he's like, at, at he looks some, like Chairface Chippendale from The Tick. Except instead of having a chair as a head, he has a... a fishbowl. He has a fishbowl with a goldfish in it, which uh, would, later, will, would later evoke American Dad. Which there has you a, go. Um, it has that same sort of super villainy kind of aspect. But Ma- before the show began, we never learned how. But Sam and Max are somehow responsible for Max Salmon being a goldfish. Like I guess he was a person before. I guess, and he, he's an intelligent goldfish in a bowl. And his plot is to uh, use the locals of Bohunk Lagoon as their slave force to grow life-size sea monkeys that look exactly like they do on the box. And he's going to turn the sea monkeys into a cheap food source. Now, why would you do that when you can just sell the sea monkeys? Because everyone would buy them if they looked like they looked on the box. Exactly. And in fact, Sam and Max get very excited. And mm. they're actually evoking a very real childhood childhood experience for anybody who's been exposed to sea monkeys. Exposed to sea monkeys sounds like you, you're, you know, patient zero for a virus. <laughs> I was exposed to sea monkeys, and that's why everyone around well, me did, now has... Did you ever have sea monkeys oh, when yeah. you were a kid? Sea yeah. monkeys, I don't know if sea monkeys are still a thing. I wonder. They are. They are. You can still get them in certain but, toy shops. But, like, they used to be yeah, a toy shops, but they used to be things you'd have to send away for. Yeah, they were mail order. There were these ads in comic books and magazines for sea monkeys, and there were these little... You put them in water, and then they come to life, and then they look like they have little 
little they, people with tendrils yeah, on their head, and then they have tea or something in your the, in your aquarium. The illustration in the magazines and on the box uh, was yeah of these sort of anthropomorphic fish people who were play, playing with beach balls and yeah. having a great time outside. And when you got when you got the sea monkeys, you got this little plastic red container. You'd pour in the sea monkey eggs. They were brine shrimp. Yeah, they're just little shrimp. They're little tiny itty bitty shrimp. And, and they're, they, if you they, think about they, it, they're really kind of, monstrous. If you they, think about it, they're they like, got they're, they're, they got big they're, eyes on the sides of their yeah, head. But they're, they're, they're you're expecting something. Cute and, and like They're, they grow to about like maybe an eighth of an inch long. They're yeah. tiny little things. You were expecting something like cute or at least goldfishy kind of mm. thing, like something sort of friendly. And instead, they're these Lovecraftian like micro monstrosities. <laughs> and a lot of people were super disappointed. And it's one of the. I also remember when I was a kid, I actually did send away for X-ray specs. Okay, I did too. I, yeah, yeah, and so X-ray specs were one of those things where you would see, like, mm. in the ad, like a kid putting on these sunglasses, and he'd hold up his hand, and he'd see all the see bones it. in his hand, mm. and he thought to himself, "Oh my god, that's awesome! I'll have X-ray specs. I'll be able to see behind stuff. I'll be able to look and see behind people's clothing. Mm. I don't know why I want that. I'm five, but maybe <laughs> it seemed like it's the sort of thing I was supposed to want. You so see, it was interesting. You, you see underwear, tee hee hee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they come, and then I realize you put on the glasses, and it's just all you see are the bones in your hand. Well, like it, they're it, like it's, printed it's kind of this... into the glasses. It's not that they were printed but what an x-ray specs kind of distorted your vision and that it looked it sort of split your hand a little bit and made it look like you you could see bones inside of it. No, the ones I had were actually plastic and they were dark. Okay. And there was like the part of like you could see very clearly through the plastic where it would have been bones in your hand. So you just hold oh, up your okay. hand, and then boom, oh, you, there you go. You got, like, shitty cut Those rate were the x-ray sh- specs. Like, they were yeah. shittier than usual. <laughs> so this was a big, my, big problem, and I think is, it was an issue that a lot by, of people who grew up with these ads mm. were disappointed by, and Sam and Max was at least trying to address it. Well, I, it, not just trying to address it, they're addressing it head-on. What Sam and Max is tapping into by dealing with sea monkeys is this very visceral, <laughs> very real childhood experience that is very common to most people but is rarely discussed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I said it deals with sort of fringe stuff. Sea monkeys, because they were so universally disappointing, <laughs> became kind of a glorious thing to a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, they're so sharply rem- it's like the, the notion of the Fiji mermaid it's so fake looking mm-hmm. that we have to praise it as a glorious piece of art unto itself yeah and anyway let's and, move and, on. and Sam and Max appreciates that and I think it's very important and we shouldn't downplay the evocation of those types of experiences. I think it would have been better if the show had been about that as mm. opposed to doing that as two jokes and then moving on like we didn't care. Yeah, the, the comic was like stayed in that a little yeah. bit more, uh, a little bit more strongly. Right. But, Episode six, the mm. friend for life, Lauren, where we meet Lauren, mm. the worst character in the history of of Saturday mornings. Well, I, I. I I don't find him near. He's not funny. Near, nearly at all obnoxious. He's not funny. I, I think he's, he's not inter- funny. He's, I don't care if he's obnoxious. He's not funny. He's an interesting character, though, in that well, he's he's functionally a villain, but he's also uh, Sam and Max's biggest fan. But he's all he's not sort of like a creeper or a stalker. Uh, he's not a, mm-hmm. a freaky character. He's up and he's always positive. And whatever Sam and Max say to him, he's always able to sort of brush it off and say, "Oh, you guys." He's kind of like Syndrome in The Incredibles, which I don't bring up uh, willy nilly because actually Steve Purcell ended up doing a lot of work with Bix. Okay. And he helped uh, work on Ratatouille, and he's, I think he even has a co-screenplay credit on Brave, um, a movie you loved, so there you go. Uh, I intensely disliked Brave, but okay. I, I, I think that movie gets a bum rap. I think it's kind of neat. Um, it's not brilliant, but I like it. I guess, think, thinking about some of the bear sequences, I can see his influence. But, I think uh, you can. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so Lauren is their number one fan, but... 
His fandom is so extreme uh, that he ends up becoming a villain. And this one, sort of by accident, in a later episode, it'll be more on purpose. Mm. Um, and um, and they stop him, and they decide that the only way to distract him is to get him to start a website, which does admittedly presage the internet. Like, the internet well, was around, mm. but, like, this is what fandom will become. This yeah. Is <laughs> this, this obsessed, mm. dangerously... Hyper dedicated to the thing we love, even if it hates us, uh, to, uh, to, fandom that um, is self destructive. That's Lauren. And I'll give the show that. It did, it did predict that. <laughs> it did predict that. Yeah, I'll give yeah. him that. Well, I guess it just reveals that fandom didn't change shape, it just moved to a different venue. Yeah. Uh, here's an one I actually started getting into until it went into a big 90s it's a cliche uh, Dysfunction of the Gods, episode 7. Uh, uh, they become. They, they go to Mount Olympus. And they become. I thought they were going to become Hera and Zeus's marriage counters. And the idea is mm. that Hera and Zeus are angry at each other, and as a result, the gods aren't doing their job, and Earth mm. is being like thrown into disarray now it's raising by now it's raining bison on buffalo that feels sort of right somehow exactly Mm. uh and so uh uh but instead of just becoming marriage counselors they bring them to jerry springer Uh which is a joke that honestly probably would have been funnier in 97 but now it just feels so dated it's it's not really it's not something that that uh, modern kids may recognize that sort of modern talk show it exists but you Mm. have to realize jerry springer in the 90s was this weird cultural Mm. phenomenon he was huge he was he was like bigger than me Mickey Mouse at some point. Like he um, was, it was ridiculous just mm. how popular this insidious, smearing, uh, uh, l- lowest of lowbrow talk shows. Yeah, really, really odd mm. uh, program just about people who did horrible things to each other mm. and screaming and fights and like mm. that was it. So there was Zeus and Hera, and it's a funny idea then, but it hasn't aged terribly well. I did like at the end of this episode, mm. uh, Sam and Max have their big reward, and they get to become gods. Sam becomes god of high caloric uh, snacking cakeage. Yeah, <laughs> I like snacking cakeage. That's pretty good. And Max becomes god of vulgar, vulgar novelty, novelty items, and, and he ends up getting specs. and he ends up using them on Hera, and then the gods are mad at them. Uh-huh. Moving I, on. I, and and uh, there's a, a sequence in Las Vegas where they try to get him married. I liked mm-hmm. the uh, the shout out to Wayne Newton. Oh, yeah. Wayne Newton was the efficient at, at the wedding. Forgot about that. Uh, it, it wasn't voiced by Wayne Newton, but it was Wayne Newton. I did, it, it was I, animated I, to look I like Wayne Newton. Episode so, eight. He even says, you know, where's the license? He hands him the license. He says, thank you. And Max says, don't you mean Donka Shane? Oh. And and Sam pulled him away and said, "Leave it alone, Max. He knows bad men." There's a whole history they're evoking right there between Wayne Newton and his connections to the mob. Episode it's eight. Terrific. Episode eight. Big trouble at the Earth's core. Uh, all I wrote down was honestly, this one totally just left my brain. Mm. All I wrote down was moles. Yeah, they, 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 <laughs> that's they, it. That's all I wrote down. They're, I don't there's, there's trouble at the Earth's core, and mole men are are causing causing a ruckus. And it oh, tur- yeah, yeah, yeah. It turns out they recently got cable TV. And, and now they, they're dissatisfied they were, they were with expo- living in the Earth. exposed with what, what the surface of the Earth looked like, so they decided to s- stop doing Mole Man stuff and invade the surface. Mole Man is another thing that was a bigger part of popular culture. Remember Superman mm. fought the Mole Man in his first feature-length adventure in the 1950s. Yeah, there's a, there's a movie called The Mole People, which has yeah. showed up on Mystery Science Theater. It just seemed uh, way more plausible for a long time that underneath this, the Earth's surface, there was a race of mole people. Mm. And aside from the Descent movies... It, the whole idea has kind of no longer has purchase yeah, the, in our popular... The subterranean genre is just sort of gone, isn't it? A little bit. Like, you can go, like, underneath the Earth's surface, but it becomes more of a disaster thing. They mm-hmm. did Journey to the Center of the Earth. 
several times with Brendan Fraser, like a big one. Yeah, this is like over ten years ago now, but it was a reasonably big hit, and I don't remember anything about it. I, don't I, think I didn't even see that yet. one. I did see Journey Two, which was not center of the earth at all anymore. No, Journey Two, the mysterious Alec, like number two. Uh, which had Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and thank God, because otherwise it would have been completely that was the, unwatchable. That was the only thing that was tolerable about he that. He was movie. having a uh, good time, and he was the only one. But yeah, and it turns out they're dissatisfied because they can't get dates, and then uh, f- just out of nowhere, a bunch of mole women show up, and everything's solved. There's a good, there's a there's a good idea for the next episode. I like the idea for this episode: a glitch in time, episode nine. Okay, yeah. Uh, Max gets a new watch, mm-hmm. uh, and it allows him to go back in time. And they realize that if you go back in time and change anything, the future changes mm. and they decided to just see what weird futures they can like make in, 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 in one yeah it's like hey that's a funny idea like he, he loses his watch he gets a new watch it comes with time travel because just because uh-huh. and yeah they say don't don't swat the fly it could change something and then he swats a fly he's like well let's see what happens and they go back to the present and all of a sudden they're still in new york but it's overrun by gigantic insects yeah so there's tons and tons of stuff. Like every and, time, and the, the quick throwaway gag is, you know, the irony is they keep the city so clean. Yeah, the, there's an episode of The Simpsons uh, Treehouse of Horror that did this. Actually, it was around the same time. It was still in the '90s. Yeah, where Homer got a tried a to fix his time toaster. Toaster. Yeah. He tried to fix his toaster and accidentally invented time travel, and he kept changing things in the past. And every future he went to was horrific, mm-hmm. except for the one where he left before he found out it was raining donuts, and that was kind of fun. <laughs> uh, and this one's kind of like that. It it doesn't have any like momentum to it but it's a silly enough idea i like that this one like they just decide not to end it they just says well this has grown tiresome goodbye kids yeah <laughs> that's actually not a bad way to end the episode but alas we can't win our own sweepstakes uh, well this has grown tiresome um but uh, you know they also kind of play play with the notion of time travel stories and at the, at the very end you know the last scene is the same as the first and it's like hey this is where we came in well i guess this is how the, all these time travel stories end up yeah well cuz time travel uh, is a story that always kind of bugged me mm, the idea that the you causality go back in time. loops and well that, that's what fine i can appreciate the logic or semi logic of that but they always seem to exist to tell people to convince audiences that they're better off the way they are the, 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 this this they is just sort, sort of the, the reality you're in. This is sort of the way it needs to be. Yeah, and I appreciate that because there is no time travel. They're just sort of saying like it's okay. Don't don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> but a part of me is just like, dude, what if you went back in time and everything was better, or well, at least I, better, or at least or at least like neutral, like you know, like oh, this is better. This is worse. Mm-hmm. Well, every no, it wasn't perfect when I left, so I'll just let it slide. Uh, that, well, that's what I like where they keep just going back in time and messing with. Uh, Messing with their own past, messing with Earth's past, they go back to the Stone Age and they hand they hand a bazooka to a caveman just to see what would happen. Yeah, and uh, they go back into the future and it's like super futuristic and everything's neat and clean and they're sealed up in this futuristic car and we we don't hear them but we see them just crack up. Yeah, they're, they're doing all of this. They don't give a. They don't care about humanity. They don't care mm-hmm. about history. They just want to see. They just want to have fun. Apathy just doesn't. The other thing I'll say about mm. Sam and Max Freelance Police. Uh-huh. I'm gonna say this right now as a sort of an explanation for why I had the reaction. Yeah. <laughs> Sam and Max. I look at Sam and Max the way I look at Tim and Eric. Okay. In that uh, it's bizarre, it's surreal, but it also acts as an antidote to everything else on TV you were just watching. Yes, absolutely. So it works in short doses. Mm. Um. And uh, uh, I think when you binge it, mm-hmm. all it, it, when you binge Sam and Max, I don't think you're getting the right impact because it's because you didn't just come off of a show that resembled it. You're living in this world, and mm. this world has nothing for you. <laughs> this world doesn't care about you. Mm. This a world lot, doesn't like care a- about this world doesn't care about anything even remotely human. Oh, uh-huh. 
That's okay for a bit. Well, the, I think that plays into something very kind of subversive that is in a lot of kids. They just want to they want to tear it all down, and rather than there's be, a reason we educate kids. Rather right? rather than be destructive about it, mm-hmm. Sam and Max kind of goof on it. Yeah, I'm just saying there's a reason they, they, we make kids not kids anymore. There's a reason we educate them and tell them to stop it. No, I, I think even adults have this sort of streak. I mean, why, yeah. why, why do you think people still go to see action movies? They want to watch something blow up because they have a destructive impulse. Sam and Max, You must however, love the Transformers movies. Oh, yeah, I adore them. See, you're allowed to have standards. No, I, I was going to say that doesn't work for me, though, because mm. I don't want to see things destroyed. I want to see them deconstructed. I want to see them analyzed. I want to okay. see them... Uh, I want to see a kind of a distance placed between them, uh, me and them. All right, episode ten. That mm. darn gator uh, is one where Sam and Max uh, get a pet gator. They suck it out of the toilet. Yeah, and um, then and, they let and, get rid of the gator. There's one bit I did kind of like in this one where they're on the Vice Squad. Their show is the Vice Squad, mm. and the show is just crushing stuff in your dad's vice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of fine. Yeah. All right. Now, episode 11, We Died at Dawn. Or, oh, sorry, We Drop at Dawn. We Drop at that, that the Is that the spy episode? That's the Apocalypse Now episode. Oh, right, right, right. Where, where they go looking, into Central Park. They go into Central Park, and it's like the Apocalypse Now, except, and, and they find, like, a, what do they the, find? Like a squirrel or something who's like it's, Colonel Kurtz? I, I think it's a hamster. It's a, it's a Colonel Kurtz rodent creature yeah. of some kind. They're and, looking for the commissioner's keys in Central Park. Yeah. And this is pre-Giuliani Central Park. So, yeah, it's like this horrific jungle. Let's give Giuliani all the credit, shall we? You know what? He, he, he does, cleaned up New York. He, I'm not he does represent lie. a dividing, dividing point in New York's history. There you go. Uh, but I'm, uh, I'm not sure if I would have voted for the guy, but he did a lot of good. Yeah, uh, Touche. Um, so there's that. I don't remember anything else about that episode. Episode 12, uh, Christmas Bloody Christmas, which is their Die Hard episode. Yes. Which I like that there's a kid show who would do a Christmas episode and the Christmas episode would parody Die Hard. Like that's the Christmas movie they decide to do. They go, they visit uh, Sam's oft mentioned but only once visited Granny. Old Granny, who looks exactly like him but is voiced by it. Another actress, I don't know. Like an actual actress. Uh, And uh, she takes them on her yearly visit to a prison where apparently like half the people in there she put away. Uh, uh, including a bad guy called Herzog. Who looks a lot like Alan Rickman's character. He's got like the big wild eyes. No, he doesn't look like Alan Rickman. He looks more like the guy from Die Hard 2. Oh, the William uh, William Sadler character. He looks more like William Sadler, I think. Uh, and there's he, he diehards the prison. He takes over the prison. They got to stop there, everything. There, there's and a dropping the soap in the shower gag. Extended drop. There's in fact Sam like bends over to pick up the soap, and you see that Max does, and you see his bottom. He's got a he has a sign on his bottom that says "Don't open till Xmas." Yeah, which, which I mean, that's 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 pretty raunchy for a kids show. Well, I mean, they, they got away continues. with a few raunchy jokes, and it continues. They're talking about like, you know the wow. The Sam says, "Wow, the prison showers. If these walls could talk." And Max is just like, "Don't, don't, <laughs> like, no, please not." <laughs> Let's not make that joke. Except yeah. we're going to make it three more times. Yeah, I, another uh, very mm. subtle joke, which I appreciate in this one. Mm. When they meet the warden, the warden looks like character actor Jack Warden. That's right. That's a funny joke. That's cute. Okay. No one got that. Uh-huh. Like no one in the target demo got that. <laughs> that's a funny joke. Because kids love Jack Warden. Everyone loves Jack Warden. Episode 13, it's Dangly Deaver time. Uh mm-hmm. the geek has a television that picks up signals from like the 1950s mm-hmm. and Sam and Max end up pulling out basically Howdy Doody, but they manage to bifurcate Howdy Doody like yeah, Captain Kirk good- in that episode of, of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. So there's a good Howdy Doody and a bad Howdy Doody. Yeah, so there's Dangly Deaver and there's Deadly Dangly Deaver. 
Yeah. And uh, the good one goes on the sort of sightseeing tour of New York to see how the future is. And he's disgusted and appalled by everything. As you can imagine. Dangly Deaver starts doing bad stuff. The two mm. Dangly Deavers fight and then they go Yeah, it, 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 it resolves very quickly. Yeah, it's kind of done. Um, here's here's one I, I, I did kind of like, actually. Uh, I Robots! <laughs> <laughs> this is their sort of that's God- the actual title i.e. robot is, is, is kind of their Godzilla riff uh, yeah. you, as, as you could possibly predict Sam and Max are big fans of kaiju yeah. and they have a gigantic Max robot that they use to fight giant monsters well specifically the, the giant robot they, was built to deflect an asteroid mm. or a meteor that was headed towards Earth and now they still uh, just have yeah. it around yeah they, they knock it out of the park and then they're just walking around with this giant robot, and the geek is just like, we should dismantle that. It's just mm. going to rust. And they're just like, no, it's a robot. And finally they realize they, the robot deserves better, so mm. they walk it to, to Japan. Where it can fight giant monsters. Including, like, a giant baby. And they end up adopting the giant baby. Yeah. That's funny. That one's kind of fun. I'm, I'll be honest. This is one of the better episodes of the show. All right. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty good one. Um, let's see. Episode 15, The Glazed MacGuffin Affair. I haven't seen MacGuffins literalized like this very mm. often. So a yeah. MacGuffin, for people who don't know, is a, a cinematic term coined by Alfred Hitchcock. Well, maybe. Arguably, Arguably coined by, coined by, coined by popularized Alfred Popularized by Alfred Hitchcock. We'll say definitely popularized by Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Uh, and it is the term for a plot device mm. that is incredibly important to the characters but is kind of not the, not important to the audience. The, the details of what this thing is isn't really that important. It's just yeah. the thing that drives the characters to action. Yeah, they, the reason why they leave the house. Mm. It does. It could be anything. The the classic examples from the movie Notorious, mm. one of the best movies ever made, <laughs> uh, and it is about uh, Cary Grant enlisting Ingrid Bergman to seduce a uh, a former Nazi so that she can spy on him and find out what him and his ex Nazi cohorts are up to. What the ex-Nazi cohorts are up to is only important to Ingrid Bergman. She has to find out what it is. It could be anything. It happens to be diamonds. It could be nuclear launch codes. It could be Mm. uh, money. It could be Hitler's severed head. It does. That's not important to the plot. That's just what drives it. So in this episode, Sam and Max are going to the supermarket to have their favorite snack, glazed MacGuffins. Mm. And it turns Which out- are some sort of chicken stuffed pastry, pasty, whatever it is. Yeah. They, they look revolting. They look disgusting. <laughs> and the idea is uh, they go there and they find out that someone complained that this is, food is disgusting and so the company doesn't make it anymore. But the char- the character to- was named Kent Standit. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. cute? Yeah. And so instead of going to the company, they go to Kent and it becomes green eggs and ham as they try to force him to eat glazed MacGuffins mm. and admit that they're good food. And then he in, finally... In, in one of the funnier stunts, uh, yeah. Sam poses as a, a choking victim on a beach. And they force Kent Stand It to give him mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. He, sp- he spits a glazed MacGuffin into his mouth. In any case, <laughs> that's one that's one tasty obstruction, isn't what, it? Fred? What I appreciate is that at the end of the episode, when they finally Kent goes insane, tries to yeah. kill them, but eventually he ends up accidentally eating a glazed MacGuffin and decides it is good. Oh. I do enjoy this. I will tell them they can keep start making this again. But then he wants to ban the other food Sam and Max likes, and he's like, Pe- "I have to ban something." <laughs> And that's P- kind of funny. Pizza poultices. This was the this was the late '90s. There was a lot of politically correctness and a lot well, of sort of a lot of people. Could, this is the birth, I suppose, of the social justice warrior, as it were. But it was uh, in a much more public forum. No, no, no. Because there was no. Because this wasn't a social justice warrior. This was a repression justice warrior. This oh, yeah, was, I guess so. This was this actual was, consumer interests. When, when you hear Maude uh, Flanders 
Was yeah. it Maude? No, it was uh, Miss Lovejoy. When you hear Mrs. Lovejoy on I The Simpsons, please yell, think of the children. Think of the children. This is what they're making fun of: the mm-hmm. idea that parents would see anything on TV, decide that it's inappropriate, and try to get it banned. We saw this a couple what? episodes ago with mm-hmm. uh, uh, Cry Baby Lane. A, okay. a, a movie that was essentially made for kids. Supposedly, parents complained whether or not it was successful. But parents complained it was inappropriate for kids, uh, and then well, it left the air. Of course, that that was that was. It turned out that was alarmist. That's not what happened with Crybaby Lane. But, but it yeah. did happen, and it happened with sitcoms and mm. stuff. Was taken off the air or changed? It was a legitimate threat mm. to the entertainment of children. Adults trying to say this is inappropriate for kids, and it's still going on. It's still going it's, on, but no one. It's like people. It's not 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 as strong an ebb as it was back in. I in saw the an 1990s. article very recently that said Walking Dead has gone too far. This is inappropriate. I'm like, why were you letting your kids watch the Walking? Like the first episode had half a it's, torso walking down the street. Like it's is, disgusting. It's a zombie show. It's yeah, super duper gory. Be, the kids shouldn't be watching that anyway. Like yeah. this is fine. Like in any case, you had to ban something. Uh. <laughs> uh, next up, episode sixteen, the Telltale Tale. This is one of my least favorites. Uh, it's it's the, their Frankenstein riff. I like and, this. And I think Mary Shelley is in it. And oh, yeah. Ke- I like the Keats setup. Keats is in it. And, the um, setup is that it's... And this is something kids do not know, so I love this. Mm. Uh, the Mary Shelley, Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley, she wrote mm. Frankenstein. Uh, and she came up with Frankenstein on a, on a rather debaucherous night mm. with a bunch of her fellow poets, her, her a, husband, a, Lord Shelley. A night that's Lord dramatized Shelley. in Ken Russell's film, Gothic. Fun movie. Fun movie. B- like implausible. Most, like, like, <laughs> like most Ken Russell's films, implausible and bug nuts. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. And like Byron is there, like a whole mm. bunch of these famous, incredible uh, uh, British hedonists and poets. Mm. They basically decided, hey, we're just here for the weekend. We're hanging out. We're drinking. We're fucking. Uh, we should all come up with a scary story. Uh, and they all did. And several of them became really influential. One of the first proper vampire stories was told uh, as well as told that night. And that was the night Mary Shelley came up with the idea for Frankenstein. So that night lives in sort of uh, uh, English major infamy. <laughs> like a sort of geeky, <laughs> urban, legendy or, or it's kind just, of thing. It's just an important night in the Popular history culture. of literature. It is, know, but yeah. it's interesting. But it just it, because it was one night and because not just Frankenstein, but other great stories came mm. out of it. It's got this sort of legendary status, and this opens with everyone telling their stories, and then Sam and Max happen to be there, and they tell their story of the time when Ma- uh, Max's tail fell off and became reanimated by a Dr. Frankenstein-type character mm-hmm. and started trying to kill everybody. Oh, I forgot the name of the Frankenstein character. Yeah, I didn't it was something it silly. I'm sure it was like something Dr. silly. Dr. Frank and Ollie or whatever. Or no, that was from Runaway Brain, Frank and Ollie. Yeah, I don't know. In yeah. any case... Um, it starts off strong. Like, that's a fun setup. It's a little mm. weird. It's something that's a little above kids' heads, but they'll get the gist of it. And then it just becomes really standard, you know, monster riff. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's not It's not their I've, most subversive, and it's I've, not even... I've really seen fun. funnier riffs on that same story, actually, yeah. but yeah. Um, the next episode, episode 17, The Trouble with Gary, which is another... which is a, <laughs> Another a, Twilight Zone Well, the title is a Hitchcock of. reference. Yeah. Uh, it's to The Trouble with uh, Harry? Trouble with Harry. Yeah, which is a great Hitchcock movie no one talks about. That movie's really funny. <laughs> uh, but then it becomes the, the episode, uh, It's a Good Life, from the original television series where Bill Mooney is this super-powered the kid original, who can change... Twilight Zone television the original, series. I'm sorry, the original Twilight Zone series. Mm. Uh, where Bill Mooney is this little kid, and this little kid in this small rural town has godlike powers, and everyone lives in terror of this child's tantrums. Mm. Because they can't. They have no power over the child to tell them no. And the kid wishes people so that they become mm. jack-in-the-boxes. And it's a great, scary episode of Twilight Zone. Mm. And they it did was a, adapted into the film as well, which is even scarier. Uh, that and, one and is weirder, insane. Yeah. Like... The Twilight Zone movie, people do I not think, give enough credit. Did Joe Dante do Joe that Dante segment? Did that. Yeah, yeah. The Joe Dante and George Miller segments of Twilight Zone the movie 
are classics. <laughs> those those are better than the original versions. Both of them, I, arguably. You know I, and the both they're at least on par. The originals are great. That's not a slight. Mm-hmm. Just, that's how good they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Sam and Max are brought in to basically befriend slash babysit this kid who has got like powers. His parents are researchers in a government laboratory. Mm-hmm. And the, the kid ends up having a great time with Sam and Max. They become friends, and then uh, he that's ch- it. chills out a little bit. And that's no, all that's I need. That's kind of he, the beca- end. he becomes a less entitled little kid. Wait, they go around using his powers to turn criminals into the things they see, like rats and bad eggs. Yeah, mm-hmm. we <laughs> episode eighteen tonight. We love. We already talked about this one. This is the Valentine's Day episode. Mm-hmm. It's they, they have to I, r- rush a heart to uh, the president. Best episode of the series. I'll okay. say that. Fair. Uh, episode 19, The Invaders, another Twilight Zone reference. Mm. This is an this episode. This is the To Serve Man episode. No, 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 no. This is The Invaders. Oh, yeah, you're There's right. an actual yeah, yeah. episode of Twilight Zone called The Invaders. Oh, right, right. I'm sorry. I was, I was thinking. I was thinking I have of Attack. a statue of that episode in front of my TV. I was thinking right of now. Attack of the Ugly Ons from Space. Yeah. Yes, The There's, Invaders. The Invaders is another classic episode of The Twilight Zone. Mm. This one's not as famous, though. It stars Agnes Moorhead, who you may recall from Citizen Kane and the Magnificent Ambersons. And, oh, because, and, of course, you do. And most importantly, Sorry, Wrong Number. Yes. Agnes Moorhead. Was that her name? Sorry, Wrong Number? I, I think I think it was, yeah. Look that up. Uh, Agnes Moorhead plays a woman, like, alone in a shack. Kind of isolated. Mm. And a little tiny UFO lands with little tiny robot creatures. Mm. And they just start attacking her. It's this old, vulnerable lady. who's But she's giant. With like these powerful alien monsters who are like two inches tall. Yeah. And it's bizarre. And, and I'm, and not, I'm not going to tell you what the big twist is. I'm not going to tell you what the big twist is. But, it's, it's, but there it's, is a big twist that you probably won't see coming. Or maybe it's, you will, but it's still fun. Even if, even if you see it coming, it's really, really good. So in this episode, Sam and Max, uh, they're just kind of hanging out. They're kind of mm-hmm. bored. And then there's a knock at the door. And it's the yeah. two invaders in the Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. Uh, sorry, wrong number. Original. The film stars Barbara Stanwyck. But mm-hmm. the original radio production was Agnes Moorhead. And Deep she, cut. But there you go. And she gives... Such a great performance. Agnes Moorhead is one of the best actors we've ever had, period. Uh, period, but she's especially good when she's screaming. Oh, no. no. <laughs> Magnificent Amberson. She should have won an Oscar. Oh, well, yeah, that, She's that's brilliant in Magnificent Amberson. Much more subdued, mm-hmm. disturbing, controlling ant mm-hmm. character. So good. Even with the even with the rejiggered ending that Grosjean mm-hmm. Wells had nothing to do with, that movie's brilliant. Um but I, I digress. So Sam and Max end up fighting these. And this is another one that's kind of funny because Sam and Max are actually inconvenienced. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're just yeah. trying to go about their day, take showers, yeah. do some paperwork. And, and these and little these monsters creatures keep, keep appearing. Yeah. yeah, it's like the cat came back the very next day. It's like that. And they start getting... At first, they're just like, they just kick him away. They don't care. Then they come back. Mm. They like hit him with things and they come back. They throw them into a microwave or something and they come back like they do every possible thing to destroy these things and finally they're like running around the whole planet trying to get rid of these damned aliens trying to run away from just giving up and their desperation makes this episode more watchable because it feels like it, even in a subversive cartoony way something is at stake even mm. if it's just their their okay. insanity uh, you, you just said at stake, and uh, that yeah. stakes is actually a very common uh, uh, screenwriting term. You have to figure out what what the characters stand to lose or gain in going through the actions. Yeah, that's why so, do they that's care? Something, that's something screenwriting students. Why don't are, they are approach? Why don't they approach a topic um, with absolute apathy? Uh, there was an episode of Futurama where basketball playing aliens from the planet Globetrotter landed on Earth and challenged Earth to a a duel, a basketball game. And they said, you have to play us in basketball. And all all the Earth is in in awe. They're watching. 
and the president of Earth turns to them and says, okay, evil aliens from beyond, we will play your game, we will play your basketball, but what happens to what happens when we lose? What happens when we win? And I think, I think he actually says, what's at stake for us? And the, the, the leader of the basketball men says, nothing. There is nothing at stake. It's just a game. <laughs> he says it with all that portent. See, th- but that's, that's and, subversive. That's funny. And yeah, that's subversive, and I think that's exactly what Sam and Max is tapping they're making, into. They're making a point of it, though. And mm. also, fundamentally, it, it, mm. also fundamentally mm. uh, it is a game. You don't want to lose a game. There's nothing necessarily I, at stake in any game of basketball. You can still get invested in it. I suppose Because so. you want to win. My, my point is, having seen so many screenplays where stakes is always presented in such this obvious screenwritery uh-huh. way, it's refreshing to see a show where there are no damn stakes. Who cares? Uh, refreshing, yes. Uh, uh, refreshing that... and kind of hilarious and okay. kind of welcome. I can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Does it work over time? I disagree. Okay. That's fine. I appreciate but that, but big, I don't think it works anyway, over time. The big twist at the end of uh, The Invaders is that... Uh, Which is different from The Twilight Zone. Different from The Twilight so Zone. We so I, I can Zone. say this, is yeah. that uh, it turns out The Invaders... It turns out everything we had been watching was just a virtual reality simulation, and the invaders were Sam and Max fighting virtual versions of themselves. The, the only time. people who could destroy Sam and Max were Sam, were and, Sam Max. and Max. Okay, I can handle that. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Because most of the episode felt like there were real stakes. Fine. Mm-hmm. It, it was funnier. Episode 20, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which predates the movie Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, <laughs> uh, also known as the monkeys from O-N-C-L-E. Mm-hmm. The monkey, uh, the monkey from Uncle. The French, yeah. it was the French division of UNCLE. This is actually one of the more focused episodes of the show because this is an extended James Bond episode. Yeah, Sam and Max uh, are you know they're spies. It's, it seems like they're actually not actually their usual jobs. It seems like they're actually spies in this episode, mm. and we're just not talking about why the sudden shift. Uh, <laughs> and, they have, and they have suits and everything. They have tuxedos. Yeah. They have gadgets. And um, this is the one that starts with the commissioner's daughter's wedding, right? Yeah, they're like in this huge action sequence, blowing their way through stuff, and mm. it's just like, wow, what an interesting commissioner's daughter's wedding um but uh but yeah so they but and they do all kinds of things they like do like the underwater fight sequence from thunderball and Mm -hmm. they fight off a shark there's this one there's a funny joke in this one there's a legit funny joke in this one where Mm -hmm. they go into they fight the shark underwater before they go into the villain's uh sub underwater base oh and uh they they use the shark's fin, which they severed, which, which they ripped gross, off. Yeah, it's really put, horrifying. Put, Sam puts it on his hand and uses yeah. it to yeah. use it and uses it to press the buzzer. And then <laughs> everyone inside says, "Oh, it's buzzer! It's, 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 it's snowball! Snowball! Yeah, buzzer in!" Yeah. And there's something just like so lax about that. <laughs> I, just, I just like the I like the idea that snowball would do that anyway. Oh, uh, snowball would just, would just push a bzzz. push the doorbell. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And uh, as as it turns out, the bad guy is this slinky lady with big hair that. The design is very similar to Scarlet Overkill from the Minions movie. See, I thought they were going for Natasha from Rocky and Bullwinkle. Well, I think they're both. Yeah, they're both yeah. both children of Natasha. But yeah, uh, yeah she's named Larvo. So not a very sexy uh, name. Yeah, it's, it's kind, of, kind, of, kind of an odd name. And all of that. Yeah, they don't really bother giving her sort of the supervillain name like. Yeah. Uh, Anyway. Like, like Ernst Blofeld, she's just Larvo. Yeah, there's a great bit. And she's an, been abducting tourists and using fast food workers as her workforce. There's one other funny line in this one uh, where she's running away, and normally when villains run away, they say something like, I'll get you next time, Gadget, or something like that. Uh, she says, I hope really lousy things happen to you, and all the teams <laughs> you, you bet, bet on lose. lose. 
And that was kind of fun. <laughs> that was a fun one. I, I, I like that her, since her workforce is all uh, fast food workers, they can mm-hmm. distract everybody by saying, oh my God, a busload of seniors just pulled up and they all panic and leave the room. That's kind of fun. If you've worked in food services, you know how funny that oh, is. Oh, yeah. Uh, episode 21, Little Bigfoot. Sam and Max. This is to- my favorite episode. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I love the Bigfoot episode. All right. Uh, Sam and Max go to a diner where they discover that the working there is a Bigfoot. A little, a little baby Bigfoot. They found Bigfoot and they decided it is their moral responsibility to return Bigfoot to the wild. And then when that doesn't take, they have to find a society of big feet. Uh-huh. Or Bigfoots. Bigfoots. Bigfoots? I, you know what? I, I think they're both correct. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I don't know what plural of Bigfoot is. Okay, it's fine. Sasquatches. Yeah. Sasquatch. Anyway, uh... <laughs> Okay, continue. <laughs> so that's it. That's the episode. They drive around trying to find other big feet. Well, there, there, there's, a bit, there's, a, uh, there's a bit in this where uh, they try to get the little Bigfoot uh, used to nature. Sam dresses up as a Bigfoot, but he kind of just dresses himself in logs and moss. Yeah, he looks kind of like an ent. He, he, he just, all of a sudden, he's just sort of dressed like a tree. And he steps onto, onto the screen and says, I am a Bigfoot. And Max says, I don't know this guy. Because it's so bizarre, and he says, okay, you know what you have to do? You have to reach into the dirt, pull out a beetle grub, and you have to eat it to show show the little Bigfoot how it works. And, of course, it's like, well, if that that's what it takes, and he's just sort of leaning over. The little Bigfoot's just sitting off watching all of this with this bemused detachment. Yeah, the little Bigfoot is a stone wall. Like, it has no reaction no to anything they're doing. You get the impression that they just kidnapped him. Mm. Turns out they did. That's, yeah. that's the twist, <laughs> is that the Bigfoot was actually the, the, the son of the guy who owned the diner, and his mom was a Bigfoot. No, well, his mom was just a, a no. wild woman, a Borneo. No, she, 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 was, she was just Because we, we find out there's a whole, like, race of Bigfoots who put on human masks and, mm-hmm. like, walk around in, in real life. And it turns out the mom also had that mask. Oh, I thought she was just a, a bearded lady. No, 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 no. She's oh. also a Bigfoot. Okay. Um, and then they go to the secret Bigfoot society and they mm-hmm. chill. Mm-hmm. Episode 22, Fools Die on Friday, the episode they don't air very often after 9-11. You know, it's it is about the abduction of an airship. Uh, this is another yeah. one with Lorne, by, by, specifically by terrorists, and then mm. it flies into a bunch of buildings, including the Empire State Building. Yeah, uh. it's, uh, it's it, it predates nine eleven by four years, mm. but it's a little awkward um, to, to modern audiences. So yes. it turns out, yeah, the person who has hijacked the ship is Lorne, and Lorne, Lorne who, claims that his brain has been hijacked by another villain, but we never see that other villain, so there's no reason to ever believe Lorne. And it turns out they were wrong to believe they, no yeah, that, believe that he was faking it the entire time yeah. and just wanted to meet. Sam and Max. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, it, it's it's amusing enough. No, it's not. Lauren is a terrible... It, Lauren is a good idea for a character, uh, but Lauren is a tone-deaf character well, what and I doesn't like, make me laugh. What I like about Lauren is that he matches them in, in franticness, and they don't like that. <laughs> they don't like mm. that there's somebody's willing to sort of come back at them. Yeah. So that they get a little bit uncomfortable whenever they, he's around. Episode 23, Sam and Max versus the Ugly, ugly Aunts. This is the other Twilight this Zone is the, episode. Yeah, this is the To Serve Man episode. Yeah, To Serve Man is a very classic episode of the Twilight Zone. And we might be able to. We're going to spoil this episode of the Twilight Zone, but this is one of the ones you that probably everyone, you know already because it's been this satirized. Is, this is hundreds so of times, famous yeah. that I think everyone knows it. Mm. Uh, aliens come down to Earth. I believe isn't it Richard Keel who's like Richard Keel's the lead alien, and they did these Just big giant, giant heads, giant guy with a giant head. Uh, and they come down and they say that they're going to give us utopia. They're going to give us all their technology. Mm. It's going to be great. We're going to take you on trips to our planet. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be so uh, great. You never want to leave. Human and, beings manage to get a hold, un- unbeknownst to the aliens get a hold of one of the aliens books and they translate yeah. the title and the title it reads to serve man and they think well that's 
that's the great. title of the they're, episode. They're learning how to, to serve us. Yeah. Isn't that great? And of course, the twist is to serve man is a cookbook. Right. Great <laughs> twist. Great classic yeah. all time twist. Like one of the great yeah. and one of the best Twilight Zone episodes, mm. and that's saying something. Uh, and I, so, I like the, the the twist on that in The Simpsons was the name of the book was How to Cook Humans. There was no ambiguity at all. Yeah. Uh, then it was How to Cook for Humans. Mm-hmm. And then it was How to Cook for, 40, humans. 40 Humans. And then it was How to Cook like, for 40, 40 Humans. humans. Fucking funny. I, I would love a book called How to Cook for 40 Humans. I'll bet that... Oh, they should make that a real book. That's a good book. <laughs> um, in any case, uh, so a race called the Uglyons mm. comes to Earth. They set up a diner. Mm-hmm. As a touristy destination, and uh, no one sees any problem with this except for the geek who realizes that people are getting dragged away to the kitchen and then cooked. Not, not, I mean, like yeah. they're actually that's actually pretty hardcore for a Saturday morning cartoon show. <laughs> like, those are that, talk about steaks. That's mm. actually real stuff. Uh, and then Talk, uh, talking about steaks, yeah. Hey, uh, we steaks tonight. Michelle got that before you did. She usually does. Uh, and uh, and then the Sam and Max decide to stop them. Mm-hmm. They find out that the aliens uh, can go back in time. So yeah, Which you think the, the aliens would do, but okay. The world ends, but then they fix everything. Then they fix via everything. Via time travel. Via time travel. And their solution is to change the recipe so that it has more chocolate. So that when the Uglyons get to Earth, they're covered in pimples. Mm. And apparently chocolate doesn't cause pimples, on. No, it doesn't no. cause pimples. That's, that's, that's it's, bullshit, it's still, Sam and Max. It's still a popular urban myth that chocolate... I think to this day, the, it's still a popular urban Listen, myth that chocolate did, causes they pimples. They did the moon covered in cheese. I'll let it, I'll let it slide. Okay. Like, it's fine. I appreciate it. But this, just this is a for show the record, with, let's not slander chocolate. This is a show where rat men live on the moon. I think I'm, I'm willing to let the chocolate pimple let's thing Let's just not slide. slander chocolate. That's my whole point. Okay. Uh, chocolate is a glorious thing. Glorious. And um, and so they come to Earth, and they're covered in pimples, and everyone's like, ew, pimples! And the aliens leave they're, in shame. They're called uglyons, and they already look like living boogers, but, but the, they're pimp- very vain. the pimples is one toke over the line. Yeah. And then finally, uh, episode 24, the final episode, well-titled. Yeah. Well, the, they, they knew that they weren't going to be renewed, which is... Always nice because they can kind of put a button on the series. Yeah, uh, they're they're allowed they're allowed to, instead of just sort of saying hey and we'll be back next week, kids, and then we just never see anything. Yeah. There was one episode I forgot about this in the Magic School Bus episode. They had a recurring gag that would have been funny if they'd had commercials in it, mm. where just before every commercial they bragged about how this show was being brought to you without any commercial interruptions. Ah. Uh-huh. Okay, and and, and, and and yeah, that that wasn't in this episode. No, no, it was I said that was in like yeah. that was in like the Magic School Bus episode. The, the, yeah, there. You go. Oh, I thought you meant it was from the actual Magic School Bus. Yeah, no, no, they said no, we're, like we're going g- to give you without any commercial interruptions of any, and they would cut them off uh, mid line and in one case mid word. Yeah, like they just sort of cut them off. Kind of funny. Yeah. So the final episode uh, is basically a clip show episode. Sam and Max have been kidnapped. By all uh, the villains. All the villains. Everyone we've seen. Max Salmon, mm. uh, Lactose the Intolerant, the galactic character. Mm. The Uglyons are back already. Uh, no <laughs> D- Lorne. D- Deadly Dangly Deaver is in there. No Lorne. No Lorne. Um, Should have been Lorne. Uh, but uh, they're kidnapped and they're tied to like a nuclear bomb. They're going to drop the nuclear bomb into a volcano. And they decide to leave Sam and Max because, of course, they do. And Sam and Max decide to reminisce about all the adventures they had. Mm. But, of course... and and. To be fair, it's one of the better clip shows because it's a clip show to a bunch of things we've never seen before, like yeah, how they all, first met uh, and the, all, all the uh, clips. It's all original material. Yeah, how they met the geek, uh, the mm. one time they actually had a falling out because Max set uh, Sam's grandfather's World War II helmet on fire. No, he made he made nog in it. 
Apologies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My made, apologies. He made Holiday Nog in, in his father's helmet. And there's a line in this one mm-hmm. uh, that I believe you've referenced before on this podcast or other podcasts, I'm, the I'm, podcast. I'm sure, I, I'm sure I have. I quote uh, this show a lot. Uh, uh, and then there was the time you swallowed a wallet, yeah. <laughs> which is a great segue. Uh-huh. I'll give you that that's a great segue. Well, it, it, it kind of comes out of nowhere and is like, hey, remember when we set Blank on fire and had to bury it in the backyard? And uh, Sam corrects him. No, that happened to the beaver. That was an episode of Leave it the Beaver. Oh, yeah. Remember when we set the beaver on fire and had to bury it in the backyard? That was also kind of funny. Mm. Um, and then they uh, save the day. Mm. They kill all their villains. And they're flying the plane away, and they ask themselves, wow, we killed all our villains. We saved the world. Mm. Maybe this is our final episode. And then the phone rings, and they go, I'll get it, I'll get it, which is a recurring gag we didn't but really talk about. There, there's, there's they, a, every time the commissioner calls, they go, I'll get it, and they fight over it. Well, Ma- Max always wants to get it. He's the one who shouts, I'll get it, I'll get it, but Sam always gets the phone. Yeah. Which is what makes me suspect that there's no commissioner, mm. and Sam is just making up all this stuff, and they're just going to these wild locations on a whim, mm. and there's just w- weird ugliness throughout the world, just randomly all the time there's no actual structure to their lives they just sort of travel through the world and they they attract the strangeness that happens to them uh normally this is where we'd say they should the show, had the show lasted 100 episodes what we've seen mm. but it's sam and max literally anything yeah there's yeah, literally yeah. there's no point in speculating there, r- reality is there anything you would have loved to have seen sam and max do there there's there's as much reality in sam and max as there is to a marx brothers show uh marx brothers film uh I, I don't think so. I mean, there's no arc I want them to follow. I think they're fully formed characters. There's no big change. That's so kind you're of, happy with it being done? That's kind of... No, I want to see more of it. But I okay. think the, the appeal of the characters is that they don't need to learn lessons. They mm-hmm. don't need to grow as characters. They're not avatars for us to project our, ourselves onto, except in our more darker punk impulses. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is... So appealing, yeah. As as in a Saturday morning format, especially, which is kind of where you snuck down when you were a kid. You were kind of escaping. You were escaping into your own little world when you were watching Saturday morning cartoons. You were apart from your parents. You were out of school. There was no super ego in your life whatsoever. You were free to become this sort of destructive id that thumbed their nose and satirized and laughed at every single formal structure in your life. And Sam and Max... I just didn't like those kids. Sam and Max... <laughs> That's what it boils down to. All, they, they were, My parents were teachers. We were, uh, we were, well, we were, well, that, their entire they, family was dedicated to like knocking that out of kids and getting them to grow up a little. <laughs> but, you know, a, and a lot of shows try to do that. A lot of shows mm-hmm. do show destruction and destructive characters. But those shows tend to be a little bit meaner about it. They, mm-hmm. they, they are acting out of hate. Uh, Sam and Max are deconstructing the world not out of hate, but out of complete whimsy. Yeah, It looks at the world around them, and it sees something that is kind of absurd Uh and kind of um, mockable and not really based on anything uh, that can be taken too seriously. And uh, I appreciate that they're sort of... um, They move through life completely bemused by everything they encounter. Yeah. That's a very Whitney way of approaching the world. <laughs> that, um, that's, uh, well, no, it I, is. I suppose it is. so. But and yeah. again, I, again, for reasons Michelle stated from a technical uh. perspective and why I stated from like a screenwriting structural uh. perspective, I just didn't think it was funny. I appreciate what it was getting at. Mm. I really do. And, I, and I, you make a good point. It, 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 there's no hate in it. Yeah. 
Um, you know, I we I made the misfortune of watching an episode of Squidbillies recently. And it's, just this, <laughs> it's just this angry, exposed nerve of a yeah, show. Yeah. A, a, it's, a lot it's of the stuff on, on Adult Swim was like that. It's too. just unpleasant. You, you go to something like Space Ghost Coast to Coast. That's another one that played with absurdity and, and amusement. Whimsy, yeah, whimsy, whimsy is, is the important. And thing. I can appreciate that. And I'd much rather have whimsy in mm. the world than anger and mm. hate. There, there, there's there's something that I uh, I came across a book when I was in high school called the Happy Mutants Handbook. The Happy Mu- the Happy Mutant Handbook, and it yeah. was it was you know boilerplate counterculture stuff. You know how to it was it was published in like 1994. And it was already teaching you how to like hack stuff online. You right. know, back when the internet was very rudimentary, and it tried to point out the things about the counterculture that were actually funny and that mm. there was a class of people known as happy mutants that were that's you know sought life this way mm. the ones who have reacted out of hate and death and like watched faces to death videos and listened to death metal they referred to as unhappy mutants right they want they want to be outside of the norm but they're they want to be outside of norm out of anger and death whereas the happy mutants are about joy and whimsy and sam and max freelance police is a show for happy mutants okay and i appreciate anything that can come out of that that mode of thought yeah uh i i i jest mm. about whitney being wrong uh, because, uh, uh he's my friend uh if you like sam and I, I've, Max, al- I've also thought about the show a lot so i have a lot to when say we about announced it, we were yeah. doing this episode we had mm. one of our more positive reactions from our listeners and i'm worried i pissed all of them off because uh, <laughs> everyone's like sam and max i love that show or oh i never did know they did a sam and max show that's so cool um that's great if you like sam and max that's great i understand why you dig it all right i hope i explained why i didn't without being too much of a jerk um you weren't kind of Ending, sir. You okay. were you're very well, very even handed, and it's okay. okay. You don't you don't have to love the show. No, and I and I don't because I don't mm-hmm. think it was canceled too soon. I think one season is enough I, for me. I think one hundred episodes might have been pushing it. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think another season would have been welcome. I would like to see the maybe show... even a third, but that was it. I, I don't want like anything sh- beyond that. I would like to see someone else give the show a shot. Okay, like if this is this this happened again. Well, now, I think I, I think, think if, with, like, with like a different sensibility, like a little uh, maybe just a teensy bit more focused. Like that would um, just be just just to keep it a little so, more interesting over time. Something that might draw people in uh, if they were to redo it now is just slicker animation. This, just a little this, slicker. This this, yeah. this is all very it's very chaotic. It's very fast paced, mm. and they're so eager to stuff the show with like loud improvised jazz music and and like all of this background detail and cockroaches and monsters and filth just in every frame that yeah i can see how some people might be a little bit yeah. overwhelmed just by the sloppiness of it yeah it looks like a frank zap frank zappa record cover just sort of shivering all the, all over the place yeah. uh so yeah i think if they were to sort of clean it a little bit a, you might have reacted a little bit more positively that's possibly true and i don't mean make it less filthy i mean just no, clean no. up the animation and the yeah, art like, a little bit well, that's exactly yeah. what Michelle was talking about. Mm-hmm. The, the animation itself, and specifically the timing, was, was mm-hmm. rather sloppy. All right. Uh, so, uh, so that's it for uh, this mm-hmm. review of, uh, from Cancel Too Soon. Uh, do we have a, a letter or two that you oh, wanted to read? Sure. Well, we have a lot of entries in our... our uh, we'll keep those to ourselves. Sign-off sweepstakes. We'll keep the actual... If there's anyone mm-hmm. who has an entry in like another letter, so I'll be happy to read that. Uh, we will mm-hmm. reveal the entries of our sign-off sweepstakes when we announce the winner. Uh-huh. Which will probably be towards the end of November, unless we really get a good one. <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't set like a specific time because we don't want to settle for an inferior uh, product. Yeah, but we want to give everyone opportunity to dazzle us. <laughs> so again, the sweepstakes are canceled too soon. Right into our uh, our our email account for both of our podcasts. It's B Movies Podcast, all one word, uh-huh. at gmail.com. Put cancel too soon in the subject line so we know what podcast you're talking about. 
uh, and suggest a way for us to end our program. A yeah. line of dialogue that we can say every week or something we can adapt to any episode uh, that we will say just before we hit stop recording mm. so you know when the episode <laughs> is done. Uh, on our other show, we have We're Smarter Than You, which is a joke. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, we're, we're, we don't want to do the same thing here. Mm. Uh, whoever has the best suggestion or the suggestion we like the best in any case, uh, we will not only start using it in every episode, but we will give you the opportunity to pick an upcoming episode of Cancel Too Soon. All it has to do is be a television series that lasted mm. one season or less that fits our rules uh-huh. and that we were able to find. Yeah, and we will yeah. get to it as soon as we possibly can, probably end of December, first week of January, because yeah. we've had um, some stuff scheduled before that. Yeah, yeah. And what's uh, our first letter? We actually, most of the letters we have for Cancel Too Soon are just entries in the sweepstakes. That's fine. You're uh, also we, welcome to rec- come we right have, with questions, We concerns. did have a, a listener write in and uh, offer to send us a copy of Tales from the Far Side 2. <gasps> Uh, evidently he has a copy, we would love so to do that. We're, we'll we'll cons- we'll correspond via email. Maybe we'll even do that on the show. That'd but, be cool. Uh, yeah. Even if we don't, we just want to see it because it's no, it'd be great. It's really we had a hard enough time finding Tales from the Far Side one. Yeah, and, and yeah, Tales and, from the Far Side two. And if you do that, is, we'll give we'll totally give you a shout out. You have your own podcast yeah, or website or something like that. We'll totally do that. Uh, but here's a here's a letter, just a general letter. Um, okay. This comes from Hayden. Uh, Hello. I'm a huge fan of your show, Canceled Too Soon, and my favorite episode being Hot Springs Hotel. Yay! I recently just... Hot Springs Hotel! Hot Springs (laughs) Hotel! I recently... Mall. Mall. Hot Springs Hotel Mall? Is that your next idea? That was one of my favorite lines of dialogue, was when she decided to go to the mall. And she just said, mall. Mall. Like, like she just suddenly occurred to her, oh yeah, there's a thing called a mall. I I thought you were suggesting a spin-off show, Hot Springs Hotel... I suggested many spin-off shows for Hot Springs Hotel. Mall. Moving on. All right. Uh... (laughs) I recently discovered a show mm-hmm. called Heil Honey, I'm Home. Oh, yes. We that, know about this that's, one. That's a notorious one. This, oh, we'll this, do, we'll this one's this one well, well known for, for seekers of the obscure. At first, I thought this was a joke, but then I realized it was real. It's about Hitler and his wife. Uh, and Hitler and his wife is mad that he's always too busy doing the Holocaust. I guess because I feel like it would be hard to get a job after committing genocide. It only lasted one episode, and it's hard not <laughs> to see why. I would love to see it if you had this show on your podcast. Thanks for reading, Hayden. Um, How Honey, I'm Home is one of the most notorious one-episode wonders mm, in television history. Because it's such a, a, a horribly bad idea. It's amazing it made it on the air at all. Well, I, and I can see why where it came from. You know, it was, oh, yeah. it, it was again, a satire of sitcoms. It was about sort yeah. of a normal couple. Uh, I think the normal couple were the main characters, and Hitler and Ava Braun were their wacky neighbors. No, 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 no. I watched it not that long ago. Okay. Hitler and I actually Ava haven't Braun seen the, this. I haven't Hitler been able to track Ava it Braun down. Hitler and Ava Braun are a normal couple. I believe they have wacky Jewish neighbors. Oh, that, like, that's that's funnier. It, okay, but it plays. It plays <laughs> like uh, a show that we've debated whether or not we can cover because yeah. it had like a definitive end. Uh, that's my Bush, mm. which was a show that Trey Parker and Matt Stone, the creators of South Park, did uh, right after the uh, presidential election in the year two thousand. Mm. And the idea was it was a parody of sitcoms with George W. Bush as the protagonist. Well, they were actually developing two sitcoms simultaneously. One was called that. That's my Bush. The other was called Everybody Loves Gore. Yeah, and, and uh, it was whoever won. Whoever they won. have their own sitcom. Right. A funny idea. And honestly, I hope someone does that with this election. (laughs) How great would that be? Like, whoever wins. Actually, but here's my idea, though. Instead of having, uh, like, oh, it's Hillary Clinton in the White House, or, oh, it's Trump in the White House, I want to see a a show that takes place in the alternate reality where the other person won. Oh, there you go. That would be kind of funny. Like, oh, Hillary Clinton won. Let's do the alternate reality where Trump won and everything is on fire. (laughs) Like, that would be really funny. What what would you call the, the Hillary Clinton and Trump sitcoms? 
Oh. I imagine the Hillary Clinton would be called running up that hill. Something about the hill, yeah, over yeah. the hill, under the hill. Over, over the hill would be good. Over the yeah. hill. It's a little insulting, but whatever. I guess that would be the, the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, um, something about dump. Like something about Trump, dump. <laughs> dump that Trump. Trump in the dump. I, I, dump I, Trump. I was, I was trying, trying to think of something. Pump some... the Trump. Trump up the volume. There you go. Trump up the volume. There we go. I'll take it. <laughs> You were, you were born for the writer's room, sir. Oh, I love puns. Uh, but yeah, How Honey, I'm Home. Was there any more to that letter? No, that, that was it. Uh, How Honey, I'm Home is on our short list of eventually we'll do it in one of our mini between episodes. Mm. Uh, we'll totally get to that at some point. We only didn't do it right away because we feel it was a little too notorious and we didn't want to start off with too many obvious things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, not everyone does know about it. It's just like the select cadre. Uh, and we will totally get to it because it's a weird program. <laughs> All right. What are we? Uh, anything else? Or that's, is that, it, that's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Everything else is is uh, suggestions for shows uh, okay. or or entries in our sweepstakes. You don't have to just enter into our sweepstakes. You can send us more uh, in depth stuff. Ask us questions. Uh, uh, debate topics. Want to get to know us a little better? We'll answer those too. Uh, you can email us bmoviespodcast all one word at gmail.com we're also on twitter at bmoviespodcast it's the podcast it's the twitter account for both of our accounts mm-hmm. still trying to get cancelled too soon we might just have to start up a different twitter account because twitter is not being helpful uh, yeah 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 uh, well, we started we started a twitter well, account actually, for cancelled too soon I, I, I actually started it way back in the day when I was yeah. still at, at Nerdist and the problem I, is, is that I you used, set it up with an email account that no longer exists and and I cannot yeah the email account was deleted without my uh, without yeah. my consent and you didn't write down the password i didn't write down the password so we lost the password and well, we can only get the password if we can access an email account that no longer exists so we're we're kind of kind of trapped and uh, the twitter only has automated responses and no one will explain i've even They're tried all, yeah. I, I've, as i've said before i tried yeah. calling them and they don't have a phone system so we'll either, probably so. start up canceled too soon cast or something yeah. reasonably soon i've one last ditch effort i'm going to try <laughs> to try to get this done but if it's not this way in like but two weeks i'm just gonna at cancel too soon is us we just don't have access yeah. to yeah. it there's no there's no there's no tweets on it mm. um and there's like three followers <laughs> who, are fr- who are just, who are just friends us, are, yeah. you, me, and I think Alonzo Duralde of Linoleum <laughs> um, who also by the way has a book have yourself a movie Little Christmas that you can oh. buy from linoleum-knife.com just email them and they're paying my account uh, and uh, they're, it's they're not, great they're, they're not paying us they're, they're just not good. paying us we're just friends just friends of theirs and, we and want, it's a good we, book we want Alonzo and Dave to get as much money as they possibly can yeah. have uh, so that's it for Cancel Too Soon next week we will be back uh, with a review of Doctor Strange the 1978 C CBS pilot that was aired as a movie didn't go to series. Mm. It is a strange curio from a the strange s- curio. Ha! Uh, from the from the heyday of Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk mm. when they were trying to do a lot more superhero TV shows, um, and uh, that'll be fun to talk about. And then a week after that. Uh, we've talked about doing more shows that were canceled recently, but people also like when we do obscure shows. Uh. So we're going to do both. <laughs> we're going to do a show called Guilt that aired on Freeform for 10 episodes and was canceled this summer. It's currently available on Hulu if you want to catch up with us. Mm. It's this soap opery thing about American tourists moving to London and getting involved in murder and sex. Mm. And uh, hopefully it's fun. Okay. I don't know. It just seemed like a weird thing to do. So we're going to do that. And it'll be great, mm. I hope. Yeah. Or bad, we'll find out if it was canceled too soon or not. Or bad, I hope. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, that's it. That's it mm-hmm. for the B-Movies podcast. I'm at William Bibiani on Twitter. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Uh, and, oh, what was the way that we I said would be a good way to end the show? Uh, you wrote it down? No, it was from it was from uh, this, this particular program. Oh, well, this has grown tiresome. Goodbye, kids! <laughs>